This week on Invasion of the Podcast, this is the way to the small screen. We are just crazy about Harley Quinn. And we have a battle royale that is sure to get animated. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and to my left is always Steve. Hello, everyone. I was going to make the joke that you know that he's my Mister J to my Puddin' or something, but none of that felt right, so I just didn't say it. Um, it's all right. You it's, didn't say it. <laughs> I mean, you know, Steve is wearing a full one piece right now. That is the, the Harley Quinn uh, outfit from Batman the Animated Series, and I got to admit, he's, he's rocking it. It's pretty. I pull great. it off. I don't know where the hammer goes, but maybe I'll find out later. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're going to be talking about Harley Quinn, the character, uh, because of the film coming out this weekend. We'll get more into that. Um, it isn't. It's going to be an interesting conversation because it's more about the character Harley Quinn, and then we're going to be talking also about Suicide Squad, the film, because Steve has never seen that up until this this week. Yes. So a lot, a lot of uh, things crossed off the list. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of a lot of fun, um, Steve actually, we, he and I hung out outside of professional. Uh, you know, capacity. Like we don't normally ever see each other in the week. We don't make eye contact. We actually don't speak to each other. And we're we're dead to each other for the other six days. <laughs> um, but no, I, I invited him over, and I was like, we just can't talk. But we did sell the sell the couch beside <laughs> each other. <laughs> Um, I, the past couple of years I've had this big, uh, like day long celebration of all things, eighties action films that like, like I say shitty action films and some of them are, but I try to always find something that has like, like a nugget of worth in it. Yeah. And sometimes I miss, you know, but instead of the Super Bowl party, it's a super bro party and people come over, I make them eat like kids, meaning I have like cookies and candy. It's just, it's the day just to be dumb and watch action movies. And yeah, and- I, uh, Mentioned uh, before we started recording that I've been trying to do like a low carb thing, and uh, uh, that was my my cheat day. And like I got here and I grabbed a plate, and I literally like there was uh, Oreo, the most stuffed Oreos. So I grabbed like a bunch of those. There were El Fudge. I grabbed those. A uh, friend of ours, Rob, brought Dunkin' Donuts. I grabbed like two donuts. Like I sat down with just a plate that and looked he made like... it all into one sandwich. Like he squished <laughs> it all together and just ate it all. But I sat down with this plate that like looked like if uh, if you if you gave a five year old carte blanche to make their lunch, it's probably what it would look like. <laughs> They're like we're here at the buffet. What do you all? You got all cookies and candy. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of like. I, I mean, yes, like we all need to live better, right? As, as you know, and I, I certainly cheated as well. I couldn't go full tilt like everybody else just because, like, yeah. I just, I, as much as I'm trying to watch, it's just like I know there's things, but then we've had leftovers, so I've been sneaking some of that. But it's not like I can't just tell my body, no, no, shh, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, uh, but yeah, I just, every, just, just everybody had a lot of fun. We watched some great, great fun movies. Um, 
I I feel bad because it turns out I think Steve and I found like a true hidden gem, but you only came in like a half hour into the film. Yeah, I wish um, I'd been there for the beginning. Yeah, so there was a there's a, a film from '83, I believe. It's an Italian film because that's just what we do here now. It's called Endgame, uh, and it is actually it's it's bug shit crazy and just very Italian, but a lot of fun, and it actually pays off story beats, like. None of this, none of this should make sense, but it kind of works by its own logic, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like maybe, maybe down the line, we might want to just dust off the year of the knockoff for like one, one retro <laughs> day. And, and I, I, like, I don't know what we pair it up with because we've already talked about Running Man on the show, but we could find something, <laughs> or just talk about Endgame because that movie it it's has Avengers Endgame. And yeah, Endgame. yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna compare Endgame to Endgame. No, uh, it was just it was cool. Like George Eastman was in it, which we've talked about him and uh, and Hands of Steel, which you know this uh, got to bring this back. It wasn't especially large, but it felt hard, extremely hard. Which I know you guys are sick of hearing that clip, but I love it. But it's from a film that George Eastman was in. He was also in the Bronx Warriors. Like so, seeing him in this movie game, I'm like, I'm in. And the movie is pretty decent. Like first half played like the Running Ham, Running Man, Running Ham, the Running Ham. That's actually that's going to be my new Thanksgiving costume. Is the Running Ham. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Then uh, we ended up watching uh, Ninja Three, The Domination, which I'd never seen before. It's a lot of fun. And it's a canon film. And oh my goodness, is that movie just? It's just it's just a romp. It's ridiculous. Like it is, it's trying to be two things the entire time. It's trying to be a ninja film. Well, actually, three things: a ninja film, a exorcist style like possession film, and like the a aerobics class montage film <laughs> and it's amazing yeah uh what's interesting about that is is uh i had seen ninja 3 the domination before i had seen uh enter the ninja <laughs> well, <it> was... <laughs> and i still haven't seen it's revenge i think is the second one i still haven't seen the second one oddly enough yeah, um so it's just it's just funny because like we had our neighbors our new neighbors come down to like to watch a movie and it's like let's just watch ninja 3 and it's like we don't know them very well and it's like here we're gonna watch a film where someone seductively spills v8 on themselves in the middle of like a like and then we found out later it's like oh she wasn't under the effects of the possessed ninja at that point she just wanted to put v8 on herself and seduce a cop that doesn't shave his back hair that's weird but it's like it was just like the, people kept asking like well we need to see the other movies i'm like no like there's literally <laughs> it's there's enter the ninja revenge of the ninja which has nothing to do with enter the ninja right and then ninja three why they put a three in the title i don't know but it has nothing to do <laughs> with the, but but that's the series yeah. like just because earlier in the day we watched American Ninja and they're like, well, everyone's like, well, where's this fall? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a separate series. And it's like, because canon can't keep shit straight. And that's fine. It was just fun to play back and to go back in that sandbox again and mess around with some canon stuff for a minute. But yeah, it was a fun day. I but, hadn't uh, I hadn't seen American Ninja probably since, I'm going to guess, the early 90s. Um, it's a, I, I, I'm glad I, uh, it was a fun movie. I'm glad I got the show. It's a fun back. movie. I I want to go back. Uh, I know I've seen at least the second one, but again, probably last time was in the, the the 90s. I don't think I've ever seen three or four. I remember them being on like the video store shelves. But yeah, I mean, is is it called American Ninja Three: The Domination Two? Is that, that what it'd be, be amazing. called? That'd be amazing, but no. So, <laughs> so that was our weekend: just drinking, eating, terrible food. Like, sorry, good food, but terrible for you. And watching just action movies, so it was a lot of fun. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just tell everybody up right up front right now. 
you got to thank Steve for the bulk of this episode because he's like, well, what if we cover like Harley Quinn next week? I'm like, perfect. Don't have to think. I'll watch some stuff. And you're like, I have some story ideas. I'm like, perfect. Don't have to think. Don't have to work too hard. And I was like, hey, Steve, I don't have time to make a game. You're like, I'll come up with something. So this is this is all thanks to Steve. He is carrying this like a champ. So thank him. <laughs> I wonder if Batman's going to come up in this episode. I don't, had just, something to do with it. If it wasn't that, I, I would have just been like, I don't know. My, my mind would have been broken because I ran out of runway this weekend. You know, like, you know how it goes where it's like, I have all this stuff. I'm going to have so much fun. We'll do all this. And it's like, you yeah. get to Sunday night. You're like, what happened? You know? Right. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't prepare much in terms of like, like I watched the things that we're going to talk about and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, but my goodness, my brain was just kind of shot after 12 hours plus of drinking and watching action movies as you do, yeah. you know? Um, I will say this though. Um, so Sunday night, instead of actually, you know, doing prep work for any podcast that I do, and not playing video games because I was just kind of at that point of like, I just need to do something. I watched uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Okay. Really freaking good. Like, really? Oh my God. The movie's great. Okay. Um, I'm the reason it didn't succeed at the box office, evidently, because it didn't do well. And I feel like if I had bought a ticket, maybe it would have done enough. But the movie's really good. Like, it's like, I, I, um, I'm going to go out and buy it. Like, I, I rented it like for five bucks. Uh, it ignores. Everything passed too. Like, and I feel like we're in this weird zone right now where people are coming back to franchises where it's like the first two were good. Let's just ignore all that and make a new one. Yeah. So I feel like if there's like a Venn diagram of like the new Halloween, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, and like the Predator, like you'd see like this kind of <laughs> weird like. And the and I watched the Predator recently, the, the the newest Predator film, and it was okay. It had some fun moments. Yeah, I didn't I mean, think it was as bad as like people really seem no, to hate that movie. It's I thought not it was bad. Fine. It's just it's just kind of it gets a little little loose in the second half, and it's and, yeah, because that's because they reshot a lot of it. Yeah, so. and it's not it's not bad, but I mean, I wish it could have been better. But there's a lot in there that I like. I'll yeah. just say that. Um, but and then but the new Halloween movie there's a there, there's a lot in there I love there's a couple quibbles I have with it Dark Fate there's just a few minor quibbles but all of it's just kick ass and awesome and then people would argue that like it kind of does some story retreads but it's like when you're dealing with the always the oncoming threat of the future like how many times can you tell that story and they find a new way of twisting it and adding some new character beats to this that is solid like it's it's a cool movie i'm curious to watch it but uh the track record with uh, the terminator films like i didn't see salvation in the theater and my understanding is it's probably for the best no salvation's okay it just they they wussed out on the ending because the script got leaked so they changed the ending mm. just because they didn't, they didn't want people to know and the ending that they had planned for that movie was much stronger than what they shot because okay. the internet so it's not bad. It's a, it's the only one set in the actual future war. So that's kind of interesting. And then uh, Genesis, uh, is, I didn't need. I, yeah. I I just by the trailer, I was like, oh, this doesn't really look like it's going to be my cup of tea. And uh, I saw it in the theater, and it was oh, again. There's moments that are okay, but it wasn't great. So here's the thing. I I feel like people bash three a lot. I actually like Rise's Machines quite a bit. I mean, there's some definite goofiness to it, but I like the idea of Judgment Day just being inevitable. Well, and, and, and I and like the fact that uh, that's the main driving force for like the first two, mm-hmm. that third, the third one, and then this new one where it's like you keep hitting reset on the inevitable future. That inevitable future is going to change in ways that you don't know, so you can't anticipate what you think is going to happen when things come back 
back in time. Yeah, and that so, ending of three I didn't see coming. So it was yeah. like, wow, I can't believe they they actually kick start off Judgment Day actually happens in this movie. I was so I'm Oh I'm, shit, you spoiled the third movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually liked that one a great deal. I haven't watched it in a while, so maybe I should revisit it. But well, I a, feel like people shit on that one and I'm like, No, there oh, yeah, there's like a there's one. a one off line in Dark Fate that I think is directly speaking to three where it was like they're talking about different plants and someone's like, Well, I was just gonna go hide in the bottom of a mine shaft. I'm like that's pretty much what they did in three right like, like, um but i'll i'll say this like there is bits in that movie that were, were not ruined by the trailer that i didn't read about at all in any of the reviews of the film that i'm not going to say now because that would do a disservice that like left me in the first five ten minutes of that movie being like shit they're they're doing this and it's like and it sets up an interesting situation and that's Lance all Hendrickson returns as the yes cop. yes um they somehow got uh bill uh bill paxton back from the dead no uh no it's just uh, uh but no that's i to say anything more would be to ruin like the the way they're they're just kind of saying you know what and and, and i'll give cameron credit in that he wasn't the director tim miller was the guy to deadpool um, they said they went back and watched all the sequels that Cameron didn't do. And they're all like, you know, in our, in our worldview of like Terminator, these could all be alternate timelines. And I think if you treat it like that, this is the one franchise that I think you get away with that because it mm-hmm. literally is, you know? So they even said the TV series, Sarah Connor Chronicles is like an alternate timeline. And I'm like, if every time you change the present to affect the future, it's going to be an alternate timeline. So if you just kind of view it that way and kind of view each movie as kind of like it is a sequel, but it's the, you could choose that reality. I feel like that's the one franchise that actually gets away with it because it starts off being a time travel film to begin with. So, but dark faith, like it's awesome. Like I, I want to go buy a physical copy of it and then kind of in my mind, just keep that as the three films. Like you got one judgment day and then this one. And it's actually a pretty good arc for all three films. So, So like, I knew I was probably going to like it, but I ended up liking it a great deal. Uh, freaking uh, Lindo Hamilton's a badass. Like it's what we got two movies of like two years of like older female actresses playing like the, the physical leads in like a horror yeah. film and a sci-fi action film. And they're both like, I don't want to mess with that old lady. Like, right. It's Sigourney Weavers has been doing it for years, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is why it's it feels so weird that we're not getting uh, that Alien Three that which uh, I feel like that would have been like right in line with the rest of this like yeah. you know so uh, but yeah Dark Fate like I I almost I almost was going to tell you like after we talk about uh, my buddy Valentine next week can we talk about some Dark Fate but I'm like nah we'll we'll get there maybe I don't know it's it's just there's a lot there to digest and I dug it well I will say if you uh, if you end up uh, buying it I'll throw you a couple dollars if you uh, hand over the digital code oh like I like y'all like I'll have to charge you for the digital code like I'll just send it to you because, <laughs> because you know um, not that I use your voodoo to watch movies and, and not that I have my own voodoo account which I do that I have nothing in because I'd rather send digital codes to you and be like it's all here like it's all in one place like I used my voodoo to to rent um, Terminator last night, but if I would have had time today, you would have a digital copy of that movie right now. Oh wow! Um, okay. So that that good. Oh, it's awesome! Like I, okay. I, I gave it a four out of five on my letterbox because um, I think I need to watch it again. But for me, having no expectation and just being like everybody, everybody I know says they liked it, but everyone like, but then there's, there's quibbles with it. And I watched it. I'm like, there's a couple like not logic doesn't. There's no logic. It's a time travel. So like you gotta let some of that go. Um, there, there's some character beats. I'm like, are we really at this point yet with this person? And if that's my biggest like 
issues with the film, it's doing a lot good in terms of being a Terminator film that I want to watch again. You okay. know, like because I mean, in the second film, did we ever buy that John Connor was going to grow up to be like the leader of men? You know, <laughs> well, I don't but, know. But Judgment Day is a badass <laughs> film. You know, yeah. and it's like, but you still saw him competent, like hacking into things, breaking key codes and things, yeah. like so you could see that his mom was teaching him and he has an affinity for this. But it wasn't really like like you didn't really get the notion that he was going to be a leader. You know, right. but that movie's still amazing. You know, so and also the the Terminator in this film is weird like in a good way like that's i'll say that's all i'll say but the actor is the guy who played a uh ghost rider in the agents of shield tv series and it just made me happy because it's like he's a terminator and every time they show his skull i'm like that should be a ghost rider skull not a terminator skull uh but yeah dark fate was awesome that's like i liked it a great deal i'll have to check it out and hopefully i will be yeah, well, you you will own it before the week's out, I'm sure, so we'll say that. So, so that was my big surprise. That, and um, I also wanted to say uh, that before you got over here, I got actually home early today because I had to go uh, tend to one of our animals. I decided to sit down and watch the second episode of Picard. So okay. still really good. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I haven't had a chance to, because the premiere is, a, they've offered it on free It is free on, now. yeah, yeah. So on uh, YouTube, so uh, I was going to sit down and watch that at some point, and I, I honestly, outside of Superbro, I don't remember what I watched on Sunday, so <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, I just, it, it, it's still, it, it, I like, it's more of a serial, like, storyline with everything, but they keep folding in some new elements, and again, I'm just, it's something, I've been so thirsty for post-Nemesis storytelling that, like, I'm actively excited for Star Trek again, like, and that's, that's cool. just, it, it, and I'm digging it, so it's good. Like, uh, CBS All Access has this thing where it's like, you guys are paying for streaming services. We're going to say swear words out of nowhere, which happened a lot in the new season of The Twilight Zone. Um, there's some swearing that caught me off guard in the Star Trek episode. Maybe it's been happening on Discovery because I've not watched that. Yeah. But for a series that has Picard, I'm like, whoa, where'd that word come from? Like, Oh, that's surprising because it's the. Oh, well, it put me back in my chair when it happened. And it's purposely so. It isn't like it's casual. Okay. Like there's a moment where it's like, oh, I understand why that person said that. But you're like, whoa, like this is Star Trek. I Why is there swear words like this here? You know, like. Yeah, I do. Because uh, I remember when the Quentin Tarantino thing was announced with him doing a Star Trek, I was like, I don't know that I need swearing in Star Trek. So hopefully it's not off putting to me. <laughs> it isn't it isn't like Picard's walking into a bar like you know like just asking for bitches or something you know, like, <laughs> you know it isn't like that I mean maybe the third episode I don't know but uh Picard's good so far it's really really good and I'm, I'm digging it so yeah that's cool all right anyway that's I've been watching stuff and we watched stuff over the weekend and it was good yeah I yeah. wish I had something to to contribute <laughs> but I I don't. Oh, no, I will say one thing, and I, I found this to be extremely weird. So when I was looking to watch uh, Suicide Squad for tonight's show, um, I investigated the uh, DC uh, Universe app. Yeah. It's not on there. Weird. I'm like, why you would why wouldn't it be on there? Like, especially since you have a movie coming out that's not directly tied to, but it's the introduction of that character. I would argue it's a, se- like a, a spiritual sequel to. You would Suicide think it Squad. would be on their their streaming app. Maybe they had the same issues like Disney Plus has with where they've already had some rights out there, but it's not on anything else. I mean, I I ended up renting it on um, Amazon. Okay, um, and which. That was frustrating because they actually had the directors, like the extended cut, which is like another 20 minutes. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll check that out. It's not available to rent, and I'm not going to pay 20 bucks digitally just to watch 
that. 20 minutes of footage, yeah. Which I was like, I'm hoping, because we'll talk about Suicide Squad more later. I was really hoping there'd be a little bit more like meat to the bones, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to pay $20 to find out about that. Like, I, I just, I couldn't believe that it wasn't on DC's app. I'm like, well. Did you what did you see any other movies on there? Like any more recent movies? Uh, no. Uh, well, there might have been, maybe Shazam was on there. I don't remember if. if I remember seeing uh, the first Reeve Superman. There was like, I don't know, maybe like 10 movies, and most of them I feel like were animated. And I'm like, that's a really odd I'm, choice. And I, I know they, I have, the whole, they have some of the older ones for sure, yeah. But. Yeah, but I thought the whole point of the DC app would be you get everything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That would be the only reason that I would use it. Except I own all the things that I love about DC, so it's not really a necessary thing for me to have the <clears throat> DC app. Yeah, except for... Um, Titans and like Doom Patrol, which I think I heard Doom Patrol is pretty good. Actually, I've heard Doom Patrol is good. I heard Swamp Thing, which again, I don't know why they would do this, but the first episode aired and they're like, "Yeah, we're canceling it." Like there was a lot of tax talk for the state of like South Carolina or whatever they shot it at, and it's like, but well, I guess it's supposed to be really good. Yeah, <laughs> there's also talk too that like higher ups were like, "This is horror," and it's like it's Swamp Thing. Like what do you? Yeah. Like, what were you? What were you expecting for a show called Swamp Thing? Like just you know. And I don't know if they're planning on folding that into whenever the HBO, you know, because they're doing that whole like new version that's like HBO Max, I think, or something yeah. like that. That's going to be you know their answer to Netflix and Disney and just bring Swamp Thing in as a character on Legends of Tomorrow, just have him there with Constantine. <laughs> well, they did. Okay. I I feel like we're not going to get to news, but I did. We never get to news, Steve. Like, I did watch. Um, all of the uh, crisis, yeah, crisis okay. on infinite earths. I gotta give them. I give them so much credit for every. They reference everything. So in the uh, beginning of one of the episodes, we cut to Gotham City and we see Robert Wool, who played. Um, uh, I, I want to call him Arliss, but he's not Arliss. <laughs> he's uh, Captain Arliss and the Gotham PD. He, was he a reporter? He was a reporter, reporter in the Batman movies. Yeah, yeah uh, Alexander Knox is his name in Batman, but he's the reporter in Batman '89. And Alexander Arliss Knox. He's reading a newspaper, and like, there's a picture of Batman on the on the front cover, but it's a drawing. But what's interesting is it's the drawing from the. Uh, adaptation of Batman 89. Oh, nice. So, like, he looks up in the sky, he's like, ah, I hope you're out there tonight, big guy. And, like, it cuts to another world, and we see um, Burt Ward, who was uh, Dick Grayson slash Robin Batman 66. He's mm-hmm. not in costume, but he's wearing, like, a red sweater, and he's walking what people are saying was Ace the Bat Hound, which was another staple of Batman. He, he had a ridiculously large cod, cod piece still yeah. while walking around. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the things that they, they showed, um, they referenced. The uh, Birds of Prey TV show, which I think is from like 2001 or 2002. Yeah. Uh, the uh, gentleman, and he's been on Flash for a while, but they had uh, the Barry Allen from the Flash 1990 TV series, <laughs> and he's nice. in costume on the show. Oh, the, and in like, the weird, like, muscly. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. John Wesley Ship, I think is yes. his name. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else they reference. Um, obviously, they reference the Christopher Reeve Superman and Kingdom Come universes because they kind of. St- state that like that's who that version of Superman is now and it's Brandon okay. Routh playing Superman and he does it so well that I'm like oh my god give me a show about him playing Superman like he's been doing t- TV for them forever now anyway like just do a Superman show with Brandon Routh there are they are doing a Superman show though but it's going to be the Taylor 
Hawkwin. I don't know how you say his yeah, last name. Yeah, they have him, and then there's would it be another Lois and Clark series coming eventually? Yeah. And then they just canceled Krypton. So it's like there was already multiple super people things. It's like, but yes, I'd like to see Brandon Ralph like back as Superman. But they do show Swamp Thing in like a brief like on one of the brief worlds. They show like they reference everything. They, in I, it. From what I understand is that they actually basically tied in everything, yeah. and they even directly storyline said that the, the the show that was on fox lucifer that yeah, character he pops up yeah he plays a character it's like oh he's part of this now cool like and then um ezra miller shows up as the flash yeah which is pretty awesome but then it'd be like thanks ezra i know you keep saying you're gonna have your own movie but probably not okay thanks <laughs> you know like that's cool like yeah. that's like I, I gotta give them props. They 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 combined everything in that that show, and I was really impressed. With did what they do they a callback to when Entourage has a series about James Cameron directing an Aquaman movie? <laughs> there probably was a reference in there, and I didn't so, get it. Supposedly, but. in that whole thing too, they made a reference to that TV show Powerless that was on NBC for a season, saying that's tied into the greater universe as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just impressed with the amount of things that they were able to shoehorn into this gigantic. It really felt like Crisis on Infinite Earths, except they just took everything that had been in media that wasn't comics. And I mean, I'm leaving out the big one, which was they had Kevin Conroy play a version of Batman, which yeah. was really cool. I just I would like if they start sneaking other like non-affiliated franchises in where it's like Auto Man was in there and like uh, <laughs> Airwolf like the hell it's like why is Airwolf in here it's like it's fine it's part of the DC universe now like <laughs> like who who cares about Airwolf Ernest Borgnine is now a member of the DC universe I'd be all about that all right anyway um yeah let's just we're news now news time news. everyone one of the podcasts I listen to uh is I, I think i've talked about on the show i know i've talked about on strange highways is called behind the bastards where uh, a guy named robert evans will like do an episode about like the worst people in history and like the most recent episode he just like he will always start off with like an awkward intro and he was doing an episode and he was just like hitler and that's all <laughs> it had nothing to do <laughs> like it just had nothing to do with the episode but it's like that's that's a way you start your episode <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm not I'm not doing that, but my transition in the news was about it, it's very very uh, worthy of that show. So, all right, uh, first thing up here is that uh, Variety is talking about how they have a story that um, that Star Wars is going to be more television focused, meaning they're going to have more TV shows on Disney Plus versus movie output. Yeah, um, and it's like, oh, I wonder why they decided to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if anything, I think it it uh, reinforces the fact that uh, they, and again, I don't want to because there's so much Monday morning quarterbacking, but I think that it it shows that they kind of tried to bite off too much too quickly, and also that uh, at least when it comes to films, that you know they're getting diminishing returns, and I think part of that is simply because of the fact that. Um, <clears throat> the saga wasn't being helmed by one person or at least one creative mind. It sort of goes in different places, whether that's good or bad depends on your point of view. But the, the fact that, you know, you, you get star Wars and you get a movie with the original three characters coming back, um, in roles, that movie makes $2 billion, $2 billion. Like that's, that's crazy. Um, I, I, and again, it's not like Rise of Skywalker didn't make it a bunch of money, but I 
think it's not even close to a billion at this point. So it's yeah. I don't know that it's it's a weird thing to say in terms of money at this point, simply because it's like it's more money than a lot of movies make, you can even combined. Like even with so, them saying that Solo would is not would not make the money they projected. Yeah, the Star Wars films that Disney has produced has definitely outweighed the money that they spent buying the franchise. Yeah, you know, and the and the property. So, so yeah, I just I think that it it uh, I think it's a smart move to focus on television, but I hope that they. <laughs> Sorry, we're being interrupted by uh, I would, I'll ambulances. T- I'll, t- I'll take sirens over somebody stabbing my house That's any day. True. That's fine. <laughs> At least that means someone of an emergency response is already on its way. But yeah, I just think that uh, it's 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 just kind of pointing out the fact that maybe they were a little too hasty in trying to like we're going to put out a movie every year. Um, and it's not a bad idea to, to step back and particularly with the fact that, you know, in a year where, you know, a saga film comes out, people are just talking about the Mandalorian and that's the thing that they're talking about most. Yeah. I just, I mean, I don't think the, the plan of a movie a year was a bad plan. I think that there was so much like shuffling around whenever they pushed back, um, like when they pushed back episode nine, right? They pushed it back like a year, I think. Wasn't it like there was, it was supposed to come out the, the Christmas prior and then they kind of shuffled things around. They brought Solo out before that um, because they they vacated that that Christmas slot and they moved. They kept Solo at a summer slot. So it was like not even six months after Last Jedi, right? Because it was supposed to be well, back yeah, to back six, to back, right? But I think that that was because they were trying to be back because... Star Wars movies traditionally had always come out in May, and Episode Seven was supposed to come out in May of 2015. J.J. Abrams was like, please give me an additional six months, when I think when he signed up, and they were like, okay, but it's got to come out Christmas 2015. Well, no, that's fine, but my, my point is, like, so that was supposed to do that, and then Last Jedi came out in Christmas, um, and then we already knew that Episode Nine was being pushed back, and it vacated its Christmas spot. And we talked about this already, about how so- if Solo came out during Christmas, it would probably be better received. Yeah. I don't. If Star Wars owned Christmas from here on out, I don't think that'd be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there was some miscommunication and then also um, a lot of course adjustment midway through some of these productions that left people kind of lacking. So if, if they're saying that we're going to back off theatrical releases right now in terms of like being the major focus... I don't think that's a bad call. Um, I still think you should have, and this is me not being the biggest Star Wars person, you should have some theatrical footprint out there for Star Wars. It's too big to not have something out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if their notion is that The Mandalorian um, has has done well, and they're talking about it kind of being the gateway to actually have other characters have other series, don't don't overdo it and don't just pile people in just to have offshoots and spinoffs. With that being said, give me a Cara Dune series right now with uh, Gina Carano, <laughs> and I'm in. Like I am in. Like I, I just her character's awesome. Yeah, and I would completely watch. Give me her and Grief Karga. Give me her and Carl Weathers together, <laughs> running like you know the um, Assassins Guild or whatever, like the Bounty Hunter Guild. But it's like Perfect Strangers, sure. Instead, and they they have to share an apartment. I, I'm fine with that. You know, like. <laughs> And then they could have like, you know, strength offs, you know, like who could be the stronger person? That'd be fine. No, I, I would watch that show. That would be amazing. But I don't want this just to become a, we're bringing a character in each week. So you'd be like, you like this guy? Maybe, you know, like I don't want that to happen. That's all. Well, I think also looking at it theatrically, like whatever they do next, they have to really consider as far as when it comes to character wise, you know, their big assets are now done. Like, 
you know, the here Darth Vader's, I mean, yes, they could do a Darth Vader film or yes, they could do um, a young Han Solo movie. Oh, wait. Um, but those big assets now are just pretty much done. Like as far as what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. So they've got to, you know, think outside the box and, you know, whether it's going back and doing a Knights of the Old Republic or going a thousand years after the end of Rise of Skywalker, like, I, maybe not a thousand years, but sure. You I know. mean, Knights of the Old Republic is like how many years before? Like it's a ridiculous amount, right? I would, I would love a Knights of the Old Republic setting film. I think that'd be great. Like you could, you could still tell that story and give me new characters. I now, guess the point that I'm making is, is like how you were saying with, um, you know, Picard that you were just happy to be looking forward into the future again, as opposed to sort of navel gazing the way Star Trek has been for the last like 15 years. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like that way with Star Wars now, where it's like if if we truly are done with these characters and you're going to do something w- with a movie, start someplace new, um, you know, and that could be, you know, Knights of the Old Republic because it's a fresh area that you can do whatever you want. It's so far go, removed that you don't necessarily, yeah. you'll, you'll know one day that like the Sith and the Jedi always battle out fine, but it's so far in the past that, you could have ramifications that don't even affect the the current Star Wars timeline. Yeah. And I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Just don't give me a desert planet again. I think I'm deserted out right now. That's fine. Um, I don't need an orphan that's coming. Like, I just, just give something. Just do something different. I don't know. Like, I, there's so many beats that they keep hitting. Tell me a different story and just, yeah, give me new characters. And The Mandalorian has shown that, you even though you have Baby Yoda with uh you know with his force powers and that's a thing in that series most of the people in that series weren't even aware that was a thing how like and I know Rogue One doesn't have a lot of force stuff either other than um Donnie Yen which you don't know if he is force sensitive or not you just he dude just believes I assume that he is but... I believe I, I agree too and then you have Vader show up I I think it'd be just kind of cool to see a world post you know post Jedi. You know, like if, if you have Ray out there, you yeah. know, but oh, you, you're saying post uh, Rise of Skywalker? No, mean? like post like Jedi are just kind of done right now. Meaning, oh, like Rise okay. of, as in Jedi as a concept. That's what I meant. Sorry, not as in like post Last Jedi. Like if you like, you have Ray's the like the one right, and then mm-hmm. you have Poe that is force sensitive enough to know that Ray's out there somewhere. <laughs> That's a, his force sensitivity is Ray's in trouble. That's his force sensitivity. <laughs> Um, if you just give me a little bit of time where you don't have to have space magic, I think you could tell some really cool stories there. Yeah, I mean, I, as somebody who loves the space magic, I, I you know, I agree. And as for much as I'm saying I want something new, I'll admit if they were like, hey, we got Mark Hamill to come in and do a animated series of Luke Skywalker's adventures between Return of the Jedi and The Fourth Awakens. I'd be all about it. So. I want, I, I want, like a, <laughs> I want a two-hour character piece of him just on Octo, drinking green milk and just punting porgs. No, okay. just being, being, being the angry hobo that he was in the Last Jedi. No, I, I think that there's, you know, a, a, a very wide open, you know, thirty years between those two movies, so they could really do something fun with that. So I'd be okay with that too. But yeah. I think, you know, as far as films go, like, you know. Really, I, I hope that they, and I don't know what this means for Ryan Johnson's trilogy either, but, you know, focus on giving us all new characters, all new 
all new time period, all something far away from what they're calling now the Skywalker saga. All right. So, yeah. So with the TV stuff, cool. We already we know we're getting um, a casting indoor series. We know that um, uh, Obi-Wan is the, the production's halted right now because they wanted to work on the script some more. Fine. Give me quality control. You already have the perfect casting and I'm excited for the series, actually. So, yeah. And we are, we got confirmed that uh, Mandalorian season two is coming in October. So, yeah. Yes, bring me more. Bring me more of that. I'm I'm down with that. Like, so we're uh, we're planning our trip to L.A. now in October. Um, that's and Steve and I. Yes, <laughs> my wife and I. That is. Oh. Uh, and uh, you know, yes, I got to return my ticket and be like, Steve, I'm coming. <laughs> 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 we're 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 planning on doing Universal Horror Nights, which is what we do the, the last few times we've gone out there because it was what we did on our honeymoon and. Um, it's something that we love to do, but, uh, my wife was like, you know, you should really consider if we want to try and do star Wars land. Um, and I imagine by that time, October season Mandalor- or Mandalorian season two will be out. Um, I expect it to just be nothing but baby Yoda everywhere. I'm okay with that right now. I, <laughs> I, just, I mean, I haven't hit my threshold for that. Like yeah. I haven't hit a saturation point. It's like, I understand that this is pure, marketing but i also believe that like john favreau in the writer's room was like what if we did this like well give us some concept art and then they just all shut up and they're like that's that's it that's 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 it we're done we're done here like we were we were coming in for the mandalorian stuff that's cool but we're done like like license to print money you're you're welcome disney like just make it a baby version you know like 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 mr peanut in the super bowl they had the whole thing where he died and supposedly came back as baby peanut and everyone's like you're just trying to cash in on the baby yoda and it's like this isn't as cute like everyone's like bullshit like yep we agree so um yeah all right so yeah i think it's not bad they already have the platform they have distribution they have the fan base and with tv you can even though i know it's lower budgets kind of i mean it's disney but i don't know i had heard something crazy about the marvel shows that they're doing like the budgets on those are like super high so yeah i mean they, they just i think they have i think they have the audience already built in just now now's the time to keep rebuilding that foundation and that faith that you have in the fan base you know yeah. like the mandalorian we were all hoping for it to be good and i think it exceeded at least for me it exceeded like i was just my i was so kind of beat down as like for what i was expecting from star wars that that just from the opening music of the mandalorian i'm like please don't screw this up because this is just, i know i know i talk about the music a lot but it's just amazing and the score keeps getting better and better as the series goes series goes along and yeah, and also now that there's like there's supposedly talks that uh, uh, Taika Waititi is going to do a Star Wars film, please make that happen. Like it's going to be, I think he knows what makes Star Wars works too. I imagine know? that's going to be pretty far down the line though, because he's well, doing Thor next, and then and supposedly Kira at one point, you know, yeah, but, yeah, and then Jojo Rabbit two, The Return of Hitler. No, that's not really happening. But uh, yeah, I mean, but again, if you got Ryan Johnson's trilogy still cooking, which I've not heard that that's not on track. I know um, the Ben and Weiss is not happening anymore, and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, we got there's more Star Wars, and if it takes uh, you know, Taika like years to get to, I'm still looking forward to it. You know, so all right. Did you have anything else about the Disney Star Wars? Star, no, Star Wars, I just Star Wars? I okay. think that uh, they're they've got to reevaluate what Star Wars is and and how to really make it most effective in the way that they're going to be presenting it. That's fair, and yeah. I, I would say also like. Uh, this is my last thing I would say uh, go to people who are interested in story and not trying to fabricate something yeah 
you know that, that that's fair sorry so uh next story since we're we talked about uh star wars uh you know it would be we're gonna go really far afield here and talk about marvel <laughs> <laughs> This uh, one's hot off the presses, Hot off though. the presses. This is uh, some breaking news, everybody. Uh, supposedly. Coming in across the teletype. The, the, the news ticker, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Germans have surrendered. Oh, breaking news. You know, like, um, yeah. All right. Uh, Kennedy has been shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, That's my Walter breaking, Cronkite. Breaking Sorry. news, yes. Uh, supposedly, and I know like some sources say that this is confirmed, Either way, there's rumblings that Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. Uh, it was the Multiverse of Madness uh, because uh, Scott Derrickson had stepped away as director because of creative differences. Supposedly, he's executive producer, which means that, you know, they got to pay him yeah. still. Uh, I hope he still has some input because, I mean, he the, the first Doctor yeah. Strange, I mean, I've not seen it since I saw it in the theater. And it is on Disney Plus, so I've not watched it again. Um, I liked it. Uh People have called it Doctor Iron Man. I don't think that's far far off, you know, <laughs> like because <laughs> you both have you know the well, best it's an of what they do. Story, so it's it's really hard to like because that's the thing. I think that uh, like when we walked out of Captain Marvel, my wife was like, "I liked it." She's like, "But you know, it was just there was something about it." I'm like, "Because I'm like, it's an origin story." I'm like, "There's only I'm like for as good as it was, I'm like this would have blown us away." 10 years ago, I'm like, we both really like the film, but I'm like, it's an origin story, yeah. so there's only so much they can do. That's fair, but I just, there's beats of, like, you got a cocky son of a gun who's the best of what he does. He's kind of a womanizer, uh, you know, drives fast cars, is really rich, and then gets knocked down a couple pegs and has to learn to be a human being, too. It's like, yeah, and they have facial hair. It's, it's not, yeah. they're not that far off from each other in a lot of ways. That's why I like it whenever they were on each other's nerves in, like, Infinity War, because it's mm. like, you guys are almost the same person. No wonder you don't like each other that much. You know, right. like, so, but yes, uh, with this, with Sam Raimi coming in to direct this, because I guess production is supposed to start in May. Um, I like this because not only is this the right call in the same sense, and, and Steve can disagree with me, where they brought Ron Howard in to kind of write the ship that was solo, even though I'd love to see what Lord Miller were doing with that. I think, I think um, Howard was able to bring in not only like, not only did he, complete the film he brought in something that people could talk about some of the motivations of that film or whatever and we've talked about it previously it's a watchable film that's enjoyable and it fits the tone i think yeah. you know i think Raimi is the perfect guy to bring in or one of the perfect guys where he's a seasoned veteran he's handled comic book movies before he knows big productions he knows how to make things weird you know like why not yeah, I mean, I think the difference to that, this is obviously, like, Derrickson didn't film for three months before they were like, oh, we should replace him. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's fair. But I feel um, like you could you could plug Raimi in and he'd already be like, okay, here, where are we at? What do we need to do? This isn't his first rodeo with a big superhero film. Yeah, and I, I think that Raimi's a good choice, although there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, is it... You got you. You know you were the one who brought Spider Man to the big screen. Whether you guys like you know the Raimi Spider Man movies or not, he was the first one to really like bring Spider Man to the big screen. And mm -hmm. like, there's part of me that's like, isn't there something bigger he could be doing? Like, I don't know. It's Sam Raimi. I would. I, I don't know. I, and maybe he's got a passion for it, which is great. And I think he'll do an amazing job with it. But there's also part of me that's like, man, I feel like. I feel like it's a step back, but again, he's probably going to make like you know 
thirty million dollars or something. But <laughs> so th- that's sure fair. That it's but not... he's directed horror. <laughs> yeah. He's directed on a budget that doesn't exist. Oh no, you I'm know, not. Like, I'm uh, not saying he's not qualified. No, no, I think I'm he's... just saying like he also knows how to interject weird and humor, like because I think he can balance that very yeah. well. And so like. Not that I'm not that this needs to be like a laugh a minute, but I understand that Marvel has a tone now. I'm not against it because I feel like these are crowd pleasing movies. Like you don't pick up a comic book just to be depressed. I mean, there are comics that you pick up. They're like, this is some serious shit. Like you don't read Mouse M A U S and be like, I wonder if this allegory for you know um, the Holocaust is going to be a laugh a minute. Probably not. You know, uh, so I get it. I, I get it. But it's like I think he knows how to balance tone. Like we were talking before we started recording about like it'd be funny if one of the multiverses was Army of Darkness. Yeah, it's like, and that movie is totally all over the place, but in a fun way. And it's like I think he knows how to balance this, and I also think with Kevin Feige kind of tapping him on the shoulder of like, do more of what you do best, but just re- you know rein it in just a smidge. I think this could be a lot of fun. And I think oh, he yeah. could also make the horror like horrific, you know, in, in a scary, interesting way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm. If it sounds like I'm against this, I am absolutely not. I, I love Sam Raimi. Um, I think of that scene uh, with Doc Ock when he's in the surgery room, oh, the yeah. operating yeah, yeah. room, and they're trying to cut the the arms off of him. That's actually a pretty terrifying scream for, for shot scene i can't talk tonight which is always good for a podcast uh a powerful scene uh that's actually quite scary in the middle of that movie and uh it has that evil dead vibe to it like the, i probably admitted this when i saw that film in the theater the first time that the spider-man 2 and that was happening and i was aware that it was sam raimi i wasn't i wasn't like you know dumb with that but that sequence in particular was the first time as a like a film goer where i was like this is a specific style that he is yeah. bringing. He's doing a callback to another film. And it's like, I get it. Like, it's just maybe I was a little late to the game. I was like early 20s that I was pick, starting to pick up on like some of the, like, you know, the vocabulary and some of like calling cards. But the bit where the, like the guy goes to grab like the bone saw and he looks over at it real quick and looks back. It's like, that's a direct Bruce Campbell look at the chainsaw when he's trying to fight stuff. And it's like, yeah. I loved it because it's like, how. How was Sam Raimi able to sneak in Evil Dead in the middle of Doc, uh, like the Doctor Octopus scene in, in Spider Man Two? How was he able to do that and make it make sense and make it effective? Yeah, you know. So I, I think you you could do a hell of a lot worse for like what you would call. And, and Sam Raimi's not a workman like director, but you he he is good. He's established. He's made money for Disney before, like as his last film was the Oz and Great and Powerful, which I know people have liked. I didn't see it. Um, you know, like, and also we keep forgetting. Yeah, he was he was one of the people to, to do like one of the he did Dark Man, like mm-hmm. and which I've been wanting to talk on the show for a while, and we'll get to this year at some point. Like his roots are deep with this stuff. And like and you get some Disney money in here, you get some Marvel money, and you get to get trippy with the, the concept of Doctor Strange. Like I, I agree that maybe Sam Raimi should be doing something more, but well, I mean, it's a Marvel movie, so it's big, and I, I get it. I, I there's just a, a piece of me that's like, oh, I wonder, like, you know, if there's something else in the uh, Marvel universe that maybe he might have had an affinity for that they could have, like, you so, know, what? So Here's something, you if, know. With that being said, now that they have most of their roster back, who, what, what character or franchise would you like to see Sam Raimi do as a Marvel film? You know, I that's the thing. I was sitting here and I was trying to think of one, and I'm like, I don't know. There's there's part of me, and this is selfish, but there's part of me that's like, maybe like, I wonder what what a Spider-Man 2099 movie would be like. That'd be fun. Yeah. You know. Um. But again, 
he's already done Spider-Man, so <laughs> that's not that big of a leap for him. But I think, uh, you know, if there was something that he was passionate about... Uh, what about him doing a Ghost Rider film? That would be awesome, too. Imagine how much, like... Like ridiculous fun that would be, like that, because it's just because you got that juxtaposition of like hell on earth and people watching this dude on a flaming motorcycle just zip around. Like I think there would be a lot of fun there, and also like some nitty gritty demon stuff going on. I think that would be cool, you know. Um, I'm just trying to think like what else would be fun for him, but I don't know, like anything in the Midnight Suns, you know. Like imagine him doing a Blade film, like that would be. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of this, but like you know. The X-Men are now wide open. Yeah. You know, oh, we need a new Wolverine. Give it to Sam Raimi. Sure. I, mean, I, I imagine that would be a very interesting Wolverine <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know that I know that um, there's still talks of like an X-Force film. Give him X-Force. Give him the weirdos. Yeah. Give him, you know, like give him some of like, uh, there's already a new Mutants film coming. So, you know, which um, I guess I was reading, I saw an article that. Oh, uh, you uh, say X Force though. I just interrupted you. No, please. please. Uh, did you read any of the? Uh, I think it's Peter Milligan and Mike Allred uh, X Force, where uh, you have like Dupe and Dead Girl and. No. Oh, he would be perfect for that. Um, I... What if there was a Great Lakes Avengers film? <laughs> you get Sam Raimi do that. <laughs> That would be fun. Like, that would be fun. But maybe not a film, but like have him show run a TV series, like a Disney Plus series of Great Lakes yeah. Adventures. That would be, I think that'd be great. And somehow just fit Squirrel Girl in there. That's where you need her, not not the new Warriors. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you guys don't know who the Great Lakes Avengers are, look them up. It's weird. Why, why are we shooting so low? Why not just give him like the big guns? Give him Darkhawk. Oh my God! I give him <laughs> give him Alpha Flight. Give me the Canadian superheroes we deserve, you know. Or wow. give him Hobo Batman, <laughs> Moon Knight, Moon Knight. Yeah, that's, well, that's already coming as a series, though. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so we're excited. Sam Raimi bringing it. It's good news. We'll see what happens. They, they could bring somebody. Like Marvel has done this thing. Where, not that they brought nobody's in because that's not the case. But they brought people that had like more smaller budget not indie's not the right word but like they've established they've gotten their chops in the industry by making films of worth in different genres right so like yeah. you had scott derrickson who did sinister um he did some other stuff too well i mean um, john favreau wasn't john favreau now when he did iron man that's true um, um james uh, gunn was not james gunn now when he did Jan- uh, Guardians. Is it john john watts the guy who did spider-man homecoming and far from home is it john watts i uh, think so he did that that movie cop car which is nothing like a spider-man film and it's really engrossing and interesting and it's like he does he knows character work so that like, mm-hmm. we need somebody that can do character work it's also a spider-man film and it's like right. so like they they find these interesting pairings right like so yeah i think this is a good fit you know as opposed to them bringing in uh like what was the the guy who did the new evil dead was it alvarez freddie alvarez Freddy alvarez yeah. which you know Raimi kind of tapped him on the shoulder to carry forward but it's like marvel could have went to him but they didn't. They went to Raimi. And it's like, because I think Raimi knows how to pick up production. He He's had so many movies not come together. I think this is like, I think, <laughs> like if you want to read about production troubles, read uh, Bruce Campbell's autobiography called If Chins C- Could Kill. 
Um, you know, it's like you read about all the shit they tried doing growing up and it just, some of it just didn't work, you know? So it's a, it's a good choice. I'm excited. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, and this is just, you know, it says in talks. So hopefully these come through Yeah, because I, I would really like to see what, uh, Sam Raimi's Dr. Strange looks and like. And we're also excited to see where Bruce Campbell's going to show up in this film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Ted Raimi. You gotta get Ted Yeah. Raimi. Ted Raimi's going to pop up in He's there He's going to get killed somewhere in this film. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, last story. You said you had a secret story that I don't know about. I do. Let me bring up my phone here. Uh, you're always so good with the, the secret stories, but I saw something and I'm like, I'm curious to see what Paul's reaction is going to be with this. And it kind of fits in with something we were talking about earlier. So this is a, a, a story that I saw today. Klingon sword used in two Colorado Springs heists, <laughs> um, which is interesting <laughs> I believe my brother lived in Colorado Springs for a while. Are you saying um, he's a suspect? No. Does he have a Klingon sword? He does not. He lives in Texas now. Well, um, I mean, a likely alibi. <laughs> a man wielding a Star Trek Klingon-type sword robbed two Colorado Springs convenience stores so it was a bat this lift. morning. He had a bat lift. Okay. <laughs> the first robbery happened about 1.55 a.m. at a 7-Eleven uh, and said... said Colorado Springs police in an incident report. The second robbery happened at about 2.20 a.m. at a 7-Eleven store near South... The address doesn't matter. (laughs) Witnesses told police that a man wearing a uh, black mask, black jacket, and blue jeans entered the store carrying a sword. The armed robber took an undisclosed amount of cash and fled on foot for both uh, from both stores, police said. Officers searched the area but couldn't find the robber or the weapon, which was described as a bat left. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't think armed robbery is a good thing. There's no. the, the, not good at all. But if you're going to do it, bring a bat lift. You know, like that's so. Is is that the weapon of choice if you're going to like rob some? No, place? Like but if you like, no, I mean, you can't have a gun, but you've got you you, you know, you need something imposing. Uh, if I need something imposing, like okay, so then bat lifts are pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. If you guys don't know what that is, look it up. It is uh, it's like a crescent moon looking thing. Yeah, it has like three handles, and it's you know the Rock used one in one of the Star Trek episodes, I think. Or no, he was a I don't know, but it's the thing Worf has all the time. You'll see it. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but bathless are cool looking. They are cool looking. Um, I don't because it requires two hands, but I don't know. Then I also, if I bring a sword to our, rob something, then you want a big two hand sword. Like you don't want yeah. a small sword. You don't want Sting from uh, Lord of the Rings or whatever, The Hobbit. You don't want that. You want a big sword. I don't know. I don't know if it would be my movie or fiction prop of choice to, uh, that was not a gun. Right. To rob. Like I, I always want to go to him and show Steve a picture of this because he doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'd always go with this, um, this sword, uh, which I could actually buy a prop version of it. It is, uh, it is Frostmourne, which is wow. the sword that uh, Arthas uses in um, World of Warcraft. This thing, I, I've seen this at, at, at conventions. It is, it is gorgeous. Um, but then it'd be very, it'd be really easy to see, you know, that oh, someone's using a sword from Arthas, <laughs> robbing. <laughs> but like, look how cool that sword is, though. Like. It's a it's a cool sword and supposedly you know it sucks the souls out of people so that'd be convenient so they couldn't talk to the cops you know right. that would be yeah um, I can buy this one for two hundred thirty five dollars so wow. or pay thirty nine seventeen a month for six months um, don't tell my wife there might be a frostmore showing <laughs> up at her house <laughs> wouldn't that be great I'd be like well you know I bought something like well, this is a frostmore like what like for home protection. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys do need uh, some sort of home home protection. So (laughs) I feel like someone's going to try to break in, and I'm going to try to wield this prop sword. Yeah, that's not going to go well. So, but that'd be my be my weapon of choice because it's like, like I I'm going to die looking stupid, but at least it's going to be a cool looking sword. So I don't know what your prop weapon would be. You know, I don't know. I I was thinking about it, and I, I. I I don't know that there's a, I mean this is also from the same person who was like uh, when you asked me like what weapon I would want to go into battle with and I gave you baseball, a baseball bat. bat because it's the only thing I know how to use yeah. uh, you know um, I'm trying to think of you know something that's not a sword or you know I mean I guess maybe like a, you know a crossbow or something but i'm pretty sure i'd end up hurting myself i mean that that's that is more practical it is a projectile so yes i would think that would be more a, a better threat but then you shoot your crossbow once and if you miss right then you got to real it's like it'd be like trying to rob a store with a musket you're like <laughs> you know, like give, give me a minute not by a minute i mean five minutes at best to reload this thing you're in real trouble you better hand that money over well, I'm like pouring my powder horn into like you know <laughs> the top of my musket, but a bathlith, thats great because it's like, it's like I, that makes you that makes you question like, did this person already own one or did they happen just to steal one and be like, this is a cool looking weapon? I don't understand why this exists. <laughs> and also, like, do you take somebody seriously? It's holding a bathlith up to you, trying to take your money. Like, do you take them seriously? Um, I guess two people did. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I worked at a, a speedway back in uh, the 90s, you know, their whole thing was like, uh, don't be here. I was like, well, damn right. I'm like, they can have whatever they want if they come in and rob me. And I guess if it's if it's a batleth that they're robbing me with, same thing. I'm not going to, you know, What if it was like a bola? What if it was like just a bola? Like, like, like- <laughs> There's never going to be a, a point in my life where, or a point in that transaction where I'm going to be like, maybe I could take them. Like someone, nope. someone comes in with like a... You know, a slingshot. You're like, I don't know about this. You know, like, what would be the lowest level weapon? <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I can't know. take you seriously. I mean, maybe I would have lost my job, but uh, yeah, if somebody came in with a slingshot, I'd probably still be like, well, it would hurt. <laughs> You'd be like, take all the money. Why? I'd be mildly inconvenienced with this. Right. <laughs> Though, I mean, I know some slingshots can actually, like, you know, do some damage, but, you know, but like, I'm, I'm talking like this, the menace level slingshot. You know, it'd probably not do a whole lot. <laughs> So it's literally like a, a piece of wood that they found <laughs> and fashioned into a slingshot yeah, yeah. with a rubber band. Someone brings in like a butterfly yo-yo. It's like, I'm sorry, take all my money. I can't handle this. Or a switchblade comb. We're like, oh, no. My, I'm having a good hair day. Just take all the money. I can't handle that. So that's, I hope they do catch this uh, person and that he ends up facing um, the Federation for his crimes. I, I hope that's what I hope for that. But otherwise respect to them for running around with a bath with robbing things so that's funny all right that's that's going to do it for for news uh that we got to eventually uh now we're going to uh discuss uh uh harley quinn and some of her iterations and then we'll talk a little bit about suicide squad and then other things i'm sure and now for our feature presentation so what if what if a cup and ball was presented to you as a weapon the cup and ball or a paddle ball, would you be like, nope, I'm not taking that seriously. I'd give it all up. <laughs> you'd be like, if you could put that cup in a ball, I will give you all the money in my register right now. Because <laughs> no one can do that on the first try. Right. So anyway, uh, enough about talking about weird weaponry. Well, kind of, I guess. We're going to talk about Harley Quinn. 
So yeah. I uh, think what we've learned too is that I, I'm just not good with weapons because <laughs> all I can think of is a baseball bat. You're like, what would be your weapon of choice? I don't know. Um, a harsh argument. I <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know that I could come up with a harsh argument for a weapon. So, <laughs> um, Sherbert, because no one likes it. Like. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're going to be talking about Harley Quinn because um, the Birds of Prey film is coming out this weekend. It is Birds of Prey and um, what's the rest of the title? I always mess it up. It's like the uh, fantabulous, wonderful um, emancipation of Harley Quinn. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, I'm close. It is uh, Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So, yeah, see, right. I, I, I almost got it in there. No, you're, yeah, you, you did better than I would have. So um, we're talking about that, but also I know that if you guys aren't familiar with the show, if you've been just listening right now, if you just clicked one hour into episode 221 of the show, uh, Steve is a fan of the Batmans. I do. Um, I... And um, just as much as I am a fan of the Spider-Man, so we, we balance each other out pretty well. Uh, so why did you want to pick, aside from the fact that the movie's coming out, you wanted to focus on Harley, so... Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there are a couple of reasons that Harley's pretty fascinating. One is is that she's, if you look at the pantheon of Batman uh, villains, there aren't that many that have stuck around that were weren't additions in like say the '40s and '50s. Um, you know, you've got your Jokers, Riddlers, Catwomans, um, you know, Penguins. But once you get past them, you know, you've got sort of. There are other interesting villains, don't get me wrong, and there are a lot that have stuck around, Two-Face, for instance, or Scarecrow, but um, if you look at the last 30 years, I don't know that there's that many that were invented, with the exception Aside of maybe like Bane, Bane, yeah, that really have popped in the way that she has and has become as big as those you know, early villains that were introduced in you know 1940. Okay, so... Um, with that being said, let's go into a little bit about the the origins of the character because I like we're gonna go forward a little bit from where she started, and then you had a, a couple episodes of Batman animated series to talk about, and we'll we'll get into those, and then we'll go forward to a little bit later. We're not uh, talking about this before we start recording. I didn't realize that she's been around for like thirty years because every time I turn around, and think about the nineties, it's it's like the last decade, and that's yeah. not true at all. Like because my brain just always is like. Oh, yeah, the 90s was forever ago. Like, it's right. just, like, <laughs> like, growing up, whenever I found out, like, with my, like, I was like, oh, Led Zeppelin, Force 30 years old. That's old. And I'm like, never mind is now like 30 years old. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not that old. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe she was introduced in 92, possibly 93. Um, so she's, she's almost at 30 year mark. And, uh, there, there's a, a couple of bits behind her, um, her creation by Bruce Tim and uh, Paul Dini. Uh, the first is is that uh, Harley was just originally designed to be just a uh, a henchwoman for the Joker. Um, but the more that uh, Paul Dini worked on the character, um, he was friends with this actress by the name of Arlene Sorkin, who had this very sort of I, I don't want to say. Um, like a Lucille Ball kind of quality, at least to her mannerisms and the way she spoke. And um, she's very, uh, I don't know, like zany, I guess. Is, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to put it, but he kind of put some of her mannerisms into the character of Harley. Um, and then 
you know, he wanted her to be a screwball character. That was the word I was looking for, sort of a screwball character. And uh, with that, um, he brought the character to Bruce Tim. And I, I have a book that's on the uh, uh, design and making of Batman the Animated Series. And uh, there's a the initial sketch that Paul Dini had done of Harlequin, and it's really, really bad. It's funny, but uh, he's like, you know, I, this is why I don't tell people that I went to art school, because this is what I, I came up with. <laughs> he gave it to Bruce Tim, and Bruce Tim redesigned it and gave us the Harlequin that we know is the classic look. The, That's funny. Um, you know, red and black and white costume uh, with the domino mask. But uh, the two of them sort of were co-creators on the character, um, and she b- suddenly became a, a fast favorite of people working on the show, and then, you know, everybody who was working on the show at some point wanted to do a Harley episode. Well, and I think when you when you pull the parallel between her and Lucille Ball, that I didn't think about that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense where she has that like New York, like they call it a Northeastern accent. She has that like New York kind of accent and she's, uh, you know, she's quick with the joke. And I it just I, you, there's a lot of that that I see in there where there's also a little bit of self-deprecation as she goes along, but um, just she she has that um, th- something about that accent it gets into your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's very yeah, it, it does not feel like Gotham. Like it, you know, like I guess it feels Metropolis. I don't know which one's supposed to be New York. Is Metropolis supposed to be New York? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure, <laughs> whatever. Then the, you know the part of a Metropolis that's New, that's New York. Um, yeah, that. And I know, like you mentioned, that she was kind of like written as a henchman. It was like one of those things where it's like this kind of drew in the background. It's like, well, what about her? And they just kept moving forward. Yeah, I love that kind of organic of like like um, the character of Butters in South Park was originally just named named a kid named uh, Poof because of like mm-hmm. the yellow Poof on his head, and it's like they just kept adding more and more. And Butters became a character. So I love that whole thing of like, it's a toss off. This becomes integral to what we're doing now. I love that. Yeah. And I think that that's actually when we were talking about Star Wars previously, I was talking about how I hope they don't just try to fabricate something and they have somebody who has an idea. Um, I, I feel like Harley Quinn evolved naturally. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, her, her, her debut on the animated series, she's st- quickly became both a creator um, favorite, but also a fan favorite. Um, And then 10 years later, she'd finally get her first comic book. Although, to be fair, she did have comics that were done in the Batman animated series line of comics. But her, like a proper DC Universe introduction didn't happen until, I think, in the year 2000 or after. Um, And her popularity just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. So, I mean, can you ever think of another character? And I'm sure there is examples. I'm there's failing me of characters that were reduced in other media than comics that were actually then folded into the comics continuity. You know, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. I mean, other than like um, with Spider-Man, I know that they've made references to Miss Lion, who is the dog that. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if it's Aunt May's dog. I think it's Aunt May's dog in the Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Hmm. Um, and I, I think Fire Fire Woman. Now, and this is probably actually Firestar. Firestar yeah. wasn't she? She was made for the cartoon. I if think I she was right. made yeah. for the cartoon and then folded into the comics. Okay, that makes more sense. And then, so uh, I go to the dog first for some yeah, reason. But, okay, but it's like it would almost be like, well, weren't the weren't the Wonder Twins also for like part of uh, the Justice League, and then they were brought in later. I don't know that they've ever really been a part of the Justice League. I believe that they were created for the cartoon. Okay. Well, not Justice League, but like, what do you call it? That was Super, Super Friends. Friends. Sorry. They were part of the cartoon that they get. They, they've been brought into the comics continuity, though, right? Yeah. And oddly enough, even in the uh, the uh, 
Crisis on Infinite Earths episode, the very last episode, they're setting up a new base that's just like in the Hall of Justice, it, and it's an old uh, Star Labs uh, building, and the last shot of it is like they hear like a monkey like uh, laughing, oh, and there's a shot of a, a crate that says Gleek on it. So, oh, okay, there you go. So even that, like that's something that was introduced 40 years ago that's still going on. So can you please tell me during like the Crisis of Infinite Earths, like when that kept going on, it was like meanwhile did they no keep, like, they didn't oh, do that they no. didn't do the Ted unfortunately uh it it would be like with the x-men the animated series of like morph actually became a character in the x-men universe (laughs) comics i don't think he did i don't because morph sucks like (laughs) making copies but i think like jubilee i don't know if she showed up like later too i think she i think she was in the comics first yeah i think because uh i was gonna say by designed by jim lee but i don't think that's correct yeah, yeah. But that's the, that's not this episode. I was just trying to think of other examples. So, um, but yeah, like that's it's still. I think it's something big though that because I remember growing up watching Batman the Animated Series because it came on like as soon as I got home from school, and it it felt like a cartoon for me because it was grown up enough, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is kind of a big deal because the show was popular. Like it was a big it was a big hit. Uh, it kind of changed the way you could like in a lot of ways of like what you know kids cartoons could be you mm-hmm. know and so having a character that like it was there that kind of just evolved of its own and then bringing over the comics i think it's a big compliment i think it's a, it's a, like it, it just kind of like just I, that's the way the creative process should be is that hey i got an idea for something cool now let's use it elsewhere you know right. like it shouldn't be dismissed just because it showed up in a cartoon and yeah. i think that she's shown that this is one of those things that doesn't have to be that way yeah, and I, I think uh, as we look at the three episodes that we watched, um, it's it's clear that uh, you know Harley, even from the early outset, had a clearly defined personality as well, and worked so well as not only just a love interest to the Joker, but also as sort of a foil um, in a way that like Batman can't be a foil. <laughs> um, I think it, it works tremendously well. Um, the three episodes that we're going to be talking about tonight, the first one's called Harlequinade. And with that, uh, basically Joker gets his hands on an atomic bomb and is going to use it to, you know, ransom money off from Gotham, um, to basically, uh, you know, do evil, you know, Joker stuff. Uh, you know, he's going to drop the bomb on Gotham, that kind of thing. And Batman gets... Harley out of uh, Arkham in order to assist him because he needs somebody who can think like the Joker and try and track him down. The second episode is an, an episode called Harley's Holiday. Or yeah, it's Harley's Holiday. Yeah, and uh, basically Harley Quinn is just, it's decided that she's sane enough that she can be released from Arkham. Um, and within thirty seconds, that does that goes awry. <laughs> but on not her, first her day fault, out. Though. Yeah, like like there's misunderstanding. So well, yeah, there's so misunderstanding, and uh, she uh, is forced into her old ways, and it almost becomes a. Um, Oh, uh, why can't I think of the name of the movie now? It's a uh, mad, 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 mad world where everybody's chasing after her. And yeah. All, or like a cannonball run or something where everybody just kind of ends up like after her. Well, I was also thinking of a, a Thelma and Louise type story yeah, that's with fair. Uh, the, the girl that she kidnaps. But uh, but there's like four different intersecting stories. So that's what made me think of like it's a mad, yeah. mad, 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 mad world or whatever it's called. And then the last one is um, called Mad Love, which was adapted from a comic by... Uh, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, um, which is basically her origin story and how she and the Joker 
came to be an item. So I'll say, so the first episode of Harlequinade is season three, episode 16. Harley's Holiday is season three, episode 25. And Mad Love is season four, episode 21. Um, if you guys want to watch them separate, because they are delights to watch. And it was my first time getting back to the animated series in quite a while. So um, it just listening, watching the original intro just made me really excited again, because that intro to that show is amazing. Yeah. But So these all show different sides. And this is also before she made the crossover to the comics officially. Mm-hmm. The Harlequin Aid, Harlequin Aid one, which is all one word, one word, it's weird, is that you she's still her, but she she's still like... I guess this is the thing that I want to get into is that, and I don't know if Suicide Squad does a good job of showing this, and we'll talk about the movie when we get there, is that she is her own person. She is madly in love with the Joker, but she still has her own lines that she draws. Mm -hmm. So I don't think to characterize her as a crazy because she does have like crazy tendencies. She's smart in what she does. And she also plays up like, the like the 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 bubblegum blonde type of like persona just to get somebody off guard just to whack them in the head yeah. so I, I, so she's constantly thinking you mm-hmm. know but i don't think that she's necessarily always beholden to the joker however that's always going to be her love and that's her flaw like so i think to characterize like there's always I've seen the meme online where it's like you want to find somebody that loves like you know like like that loves each other like these two. It's like nope, this is an abusive relationship. The Joker's a piece of shit, yeah, and she keeps going back to him, so she has problems too. And so it's it's not a blameless relationship between the both of them, not at all. But she also she kind of walks that line of like left to her own like like thinking and sometimes without the influence of the Joker around. She'll she still has a moral code. And it's that makes her interesting to me. She could have easily just been a love interest and a tossed off to the side. But when she's helping Batman, like she does turn on him because she wants to be back with like the Joker. But there's a bit where they're in the casino that she I don't think she realized that it was a casino when she brought him there. And she's distracting the guy running the place, which is funny because the episodes you, you mentioned to me, the second one calls back to that same dude. Yeah. Uh, uh, Voiced uh, by Dick Miller. Uh, <laughs> Dumbass, <laughs> uh, not Dick Miller. That's um. Oh, is it Red Foreman? Is that Dick Miller? No, no. no. Dick oh. Miller's a uh, Gremlins. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry. I, who's Red Foreman? Anyway, I just want to say dumbass. That's not that's that's not right. But uh, no. But he, what's his name? Like Boxley or something like that. It's something. Yeah. But anyway, uh, she's buying time and pulling everybody's attention to her because she's going to do this like song and dance number that. The song itself is funny, but horrific. Yeah. Talking about her abusive love situation with the Joker. And she's drawing everybody's attention so Robin can come in and free Batman so they can get out of there. It's like, so you see that even though she knows she, like she would be happier having Batman gone, he's not brought her to the Joker yet, so he's still a value. And he and she also doesn't really want to see necessarily anything bad happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's this weird line that she walks of like she still thinks for herself. Yeah. And whenever Batman points out to her later, like, he, like Joker was going to drop this bomb and leave you to die in the asylum. She's like, what? It's like, and your animals. She's like, no. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> her uh, hyenas, she calls her babies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a nice running running thing throughout, too. So it's like, she ends up like, nope, you can't do this. And then she brings him down and foils the plan. But then the Joker's like, I still love you. And she's like, I love you, too. And it's like, 
toxic broken relationship but they're perfect for each other yeah, like and we'll really get into that when we get to mad love yeah but uh yeah that's one of the the things i love about that is that she's also got different dynamics with different characters like she's almost a completely different person when she's alone with batman than when she is with when the joker's involved yeah it's actually like she sometimes just talks to him in a very much way of like He's not the bat. He's Batman, but she talks to him in a way that I think a lot of characters don't. Well, I like it too when they're in the Batmobile. She gets out of the handcuffs and she's like, "I want to hear the radio." And he's like, "Stop touching <laughs> buttons!" Like you don't see Batman give like that visceral emotional reaction because right. he's always cool, calm, and collected. But like she's the one that just pisses him off enough to where he actually is like, "Can you not do that right now?" <laughs> like, and not many people can do that to him. Not even yeah. the Joker, you know. And I liked that shade of that. And then when we get to Harley's Holiday where like they determine that she's sane enough and then the first thing you see her is just trucking down the street with roller skates being pulled by hyenas like <laughs> which is great and and then she brings them in i was i know the 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 joke didn't exist then, but I wish she would have been like, these are my support hyenas. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then she's going to buy a dress and she actually pays for it, but the security guard's like, I need to take the tag off and she's not paying attention and that triggers like the um, like the actual sh- shoplifting alert. So yeah. then she gets popped for that and she's like, I bought this and she's like, I'm done. Like yeah. within seconds of like, I tried to do the right thing and I like the whole bit where she's up in the dressing room. Like, we don't know where she stashed her costume. She just pops yeah. back out in full Harley Quinn regalia. <laughs> like one of my favorite lines in that is is uh so Bruce Wayne happens to just be at that department store coincidentally at the time. With his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Veronica Vreeland, who is uh It wasn't Doctor Chase from Meridian? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh she's a socialite, very wealthy, um, and comes from uh, a military family. That's uh, right. That's what plays into this which also gets a little weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh when Harley runs into Bruce Wayne, she's like, you look familiar. And then she puts she's the like, hands up to his eyes and yeah. looks at his chin. She's like, that chin. It's she's like, chin. Yeah. I know who you are. You're Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and then uh, she's talking to the girl. She's like, I met you at uh, so-and-so's debutant ball. Remember me? I was the gu- I was, I was the one who turned the gun on you. <laughs> but she's like, but I'm sane now. Yeah. And she, it's the whole Warner Brothers, like the Lutons thing of like holding up the paperwork says sane and stamped on it. It's like, it's great. But it's like, you never get the idea that she has ill will in this regard. But right. then because society's not going to give her a chance, she's like, well, this is what I know. And she takes the, the girl hostage and there becomes this like wild ride. And then even when she runs into that gangster again, they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna like t- basically hold this girl for hostage." She's like, "No, you're not. Like, we're getting out." She, she's like, she knows that this girl was like the the unfortunate like situation that happened, and she's gonna make sure that she's okay. Yeah. And that gives another element to this, and it's like, I I liked that folding in of like she, even though she knows a life of crime, and this is the way it has to be, she doesn't want to hurt those that. She didn't invert inadvertently want to hurt. Right. So yeah, I, like I mean, that. she doesn't have a problem hurting people. It's just that she doesn't want to hurt anybody if she if it. <laughs> she's got a weird code in some ways because she's she's gone after Batman many a time, and she's she's uh, there's even an episode because uh, there's a few episodes with her and uh, uh, Poison Ivy um, that are really good as well that we didn't get into, but uh, you know they they push Batman well. No, they push Bruce Wayne down an elevator shaft and stuff like that. So like, she can be violent, but like, sometimes it's it's if if, she, if it's not something that she has a purpose 
for or it's a reason to do it, she won't do it. Yeah. You know? Well, cause, and also we're going to talk about Mad Love in a second. She's actually a psychologist or at least mm-hmm. was an intern psychologist. So she's devoted time to the study of like how humans work, which I feel like also is something that informs her character, but it's not always evident, you mm-hmm. know, because like she can read people really well. Like whether she plays it off or not, she always, I think she's always aware of the stakes. Like I will, I will say that. Um, so but with like Harley's like holiday, it was just like, it was just one series of events after another that kept escalating. And a lot of it wasn't directly her fault, but it was because of the actions that she took without the intent of it happening that way. And you get this notion of Batman being like, I'm just going to, I just want to help her. But it's like, yeah, there's a bit during the chase scene where like a tanker truck turns over and explodes. It's like, I think, I think she needs to own that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> but when she gets put back away, she's like, Oh, you know, I know what happened. Then she just kisses Batman, like just like huge on the lips. And like, Batman doesn't know what to do about it. <laughs> well, I like the fact that, uh, one, you know, he gives her the dress. And yeah, she's so that's, a nice, that's a nice touch. And she's like, I don't understand why you're, you know, being nice to me. And he's got that line that's just, I had a bad day once too. And I just, that line always kills me. I don't know what it is about that line because it's like, oh, God. But do we know which bad day? I mean, I know his parents died once. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew but you we were don't gonna, know. We don't know what bad day. There. Which Robin got hurt? We don't know. <laughs> Maybe he lost the money, a lot of money on the stock market. We I don't, don't know. Think that's what he was talking about. Maybe Liam Neeson turned on him. We don't know. There could have been a. What about the time his back got broken into? Like, that was after this. I get it. But, you know. But, uh,. What if his breakfast didn't turn out right because Alfred wasn't there for him? That could have been a really bad day for this rich guy that lives in a bubble. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what bad day he's talking about. That's true. I guess that's a very good I point. got stuck in traffic and uh, Victor Zaz killed three people. That was a bad day. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, is that it's a nice... Um, a bit of comedy because you don't get a lot of that in Batman the animated series, obviously. So, um, to have a lighthearted sort of romp in the middle of Batman the animated series is, I think, very much needed because I think, um, and we could have this discussion with Batman all day long. I think that, uh, after you know, 1986 is The Dark Knight Returns, there are times where everything's got to be so grim and gritty and dark that like people sometimes forget to have fun with the character which surprised me like that was good and then in the next episode what he says to the joker at the end is great yeah it's like it's like did you just crack a joke batman i think you cracked a joke you know like Mm -hmm. uh but yeah mad love is the examination of like where this all started with uh with harley uh being harleen quinzel uh coming to to arkham specifically to deal with all the twisted people and at one point she's walking down like the murderer's row and you see someone licking in the glass like there's some things that happened in this series i forgot about i'm like that's that's messed you know up that was that was based off of paul dini <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful yeah i like that um yeah, Mad Love uh, was originally a comic book that uh, Dini and Tim did together uh, between seasons, and it actually won an Eisner. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the Eisner is, it's sort of like the the Oscar of comic book of the comic book world, except far more prestigious in my opinion. And, and that was the blow up art I found for you, right? Like a couple, yeah, uh, a few, like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Like just a brief aside, it just it was it was it the cover art of that comic. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, so Mad Love is essentially the story of how Harley became Harley Quinn. And uh, it also is a very, 
it's probably the most important story about their relationship that you're going to come across. Um, and when we get to Suicide Squad, they kind of dabble in it a little bit. Um, I guess there's also some for New 52 origin that's in Suicide Squad as well. Um, but uh, the story itself is mainly a Harley story. Um, and it's the crux of it is, is that the Joker is trying to figure out, of course, a way to kill Batman. But it has to be funny. It has to be very Joker-ish. Um, and she's kind of annoyed because she, she's like, you know, he's not paying attention to me. Um, we're supposed to have a life together. Um, and she, she comes to the realization that Batman's the reason that she's not getting the life that she wants. Yeah. And like her spilling herself out in front of him and everything. I'm like, this is a kid's cartoon. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa. Well, that's like, in the comic, but when they did it in the cartoon, I was like, wow, I'm kind of surprised because she's in like a little like negligee or nighty. But she's still wearing like the headpiece. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she, she has the line, come on, Puddin', don't you want to rev up your Harley? Yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised that that got through too. That that fourth season of Batman, the animated series, this is just a side note, has some things that I, I don't know. Like, I feel like the, the censors just weren't paying attention because there's an episode called Over the Edge. And while it's an imaginary episode, it starts with Batgirl falling off of a building and crash landing and dying on the top of a cop car. <laughs> and what's more horrific is, is that the person inside the, the cop car is her father oh, no. and sees her come down crashing oh. onto the car. So it's like, you're like, what? Wait. And this is in the first, like, I don't know, 10 minutes or five minutes of the episode. You're like, wait, what is happening? This is just minutes before you saw <laughs> Bugs Buddy chomping on a carrot, like the WB right. logo. It's like, uh, it dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like, oh. So yeah. in that fourth season, I just feel like they just, I don't know, the censors weren't paying attention. I guess they had bigger <laughs> fish to fry or something. Uh, they had, they had to uh, uh, tamp down on those Animaniacs. I like. guess so. <laughs> But uh, as the story progresses, Harley comes across an old plan of the Joker's called, I think, Death of a Thousand Smiles. Yeah, where um, it was like him putting uh, Batman in a, a piranha tank. Yeah. But since piranhas don't smile, like... They're you know, constantly frowning. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it, it doesn't work. Um, so Harley takes it upon herself to lure Batman somewhere and basically do this same... Uh, style plot but she pulls the string of like oh this isn't funny anymore i need help and yeah. she pulls her like her headpiece off and like shows shows her as as harleen and so batman believes that she actually wants to get better and then he, she calls him out in, like this like this wharf and then he's not paying attention he, and she just knocks him out with like a, like a drug like a like a knockout like dart mm -hmm. it's actually very efficient so she does something the joker can't do yeah, and uh, Batman awakens, and he's hanging upside down over this tank, and, uh, you know, she kind of explains to him, like, you know what, once I'm done with, once you're gone, you know, me and Puddin are just going to live the rest of our lives happily, and uh, Batman is just trying to figure out a way out of it, but he's like, he's like, you know what, he's like, how are you going to prove to the Joker that it's really me? <laughs> And she's like, I think she says like, uh, you know, well, I've got your belt or your, you know. Something, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, well, that could be faked. And then she's like, well, I'll have your skeleton. He's like, that could be faked too. Or he's like, there's no way to determine that's actually me. But I like her thought process is like, I'm going to hang you upside down so the piranhas look like they're smiling. She's like, I yeah. fixed it. Like, it's like, and she kind of did. Yeah. Like <laughs> and uh, he basically convinces her to call the Joker. And uh, I love the scene where he gets the phone call because he's going over plans. 
And he picks up one of the plans. He's like, ah, too Riddler. And he throws it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also like, too, that like Batman's like messing with Harley saying, well, what story did he tell you? And I, like, Yeah. After, oh, that's an important part that I, I skipped over. I after apologize. watching like The Dark Knight, the film where you never knew how the how the Joker, like he told three different stories by his origin. So you, you know want to know that, how I got these scars. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so, you know, he isn't telling you the truth about anything. So when when Batman's like, well, what story did he tell you? Was it the father? Was it like going to the ice, like the ice show? She's like, it was the circus. It was like, yeah. he's like, he's told the story in different ways to different people, basically being like, do you is this something that like you don't even know him? He's not been honest with you. Like, and, and I skipped over. Uh, there's a again one of those things where you're like, wow, I can't believe this made it onto a kids' cartoon, where. Harley is sitting down with the very with the Joker for the very first time to have a session with him, and she's like, "I was prepared for everything. I, I, there was nothing that he could say that could surprise me." And then the Joker starts off by going, "You know what? My dad used to meet me up, beat me up pretty good." Yeah, and she's like, "Anything but that." And then he starts telling the story about his relationship with his father, um, and that that's w- what comes up later. But it's also just like he says something along the lines of, "You know, Dad favored the grape." And I yeah. was like, wow. Yeah. They and I think that's in the comic, too. It's straight up, like, being human and disarming is probably the thing she wasn't expecting, you know? And then yeah. to find out that it may or may not be a ruse, because you never, you don't really know what the Joker, right. and that's the point. But yeah, like, she calls him up, he comes over, he's actually pissed that she did this, because it's basically like, he's like, I have to be the one to do this. Mm-hmm. And then like, he goes over to, to Batman, he's like, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, just one <laughs> yeah. moment. He goes, he goes <laughs> he's going to gonna like, let Batman go. <laughs> He's like, better luck next time, type of thing, you know, like that old thing. But then, like, you know, but he slaps her like hard. And well, like, yeah, he gets upset because uh, she's like, "Here, I fixed it," and he's like, "But you had to explain it to me." And he's like, "So it's not a joke anymore." It's not a joke anymore. And he slaps her, and then she gets thrown out of the building. Yeah, um, and lands crashing in the alleyway next door, and on top of Jim Gordon's car, it's really weird. <laughs> uh, uh, no, on, to, on that, top of to Batgirl's body, on top yeah. of Jim Gordon's car, uh, but then that, that that leads to like eventually the Joker being like, "Well, you know, why well, I got you here?" And then they, they the big tussle, and then like Joker runs away, and that's when he he runs into Batman on top of like a train, yeah. And that's the whole thing where Batman's like basically says something about like calls him Puddin or yeah. whatever, and it's like he smiles. I'm like, oh shit, he just made a joke at the Joker. <laughs> Yeah. I also love the moment where he points out to the jerk. He's like, you know what? She came closer than you ever have. And that's what drove him nuts and caused him to get like, you know, yeah. his moment of weakness. And it was like, yeah, it was great. So then even after all that, though, like, you know, they're still together. Like, and it's just. Well, it, yeah, she yeah. she's back in the insane asylum, except now she's in like a body cast. That's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the nurse is like, well, I hope you finally learn that, like, you know, your lesson that he's no good for you or whatever. And she's like, yeah, it felt like it felt like, and then she looks over and there's a vase with a flower in it. And it says from Mr. J and she's like, it felt like a kiss. Yeah. And then she's right back in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's actually um, from that book that I was talking about earlier, the making of the Batman, the animated series, Um, the way they describe her. And I think this is actually one of the most apt descriptions of her character. And this is something that I want to keep in mind when we get to Suicide Squad is, is that she's a mixture of comedy and tragedy, a funny yet painful reminder of what can happen when someone loves too much and unwisely. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the best descriptions of her character that I can think of. Um, and I obviously didn't think of it. I took it from a book. But uh, 
She's no, a strong that, character. She's yeah. got an interesting relationship with the Joker. She's interesting when she's on her own. She's interesting when she's with the Joker. And when they pair her up with uh, with uh, Poison Ivy, she's a lot of fun there too. So, um, I, I just I, I don't know that we've had as good of a character come out of anything related to a animated series as Harley Quinn. Yeah. So. Uh, it was a, there's a Shakespeare quote that I cannot find specifically here that was from Othello about like think not of me as one that loved too wisely but too well that mm-hmm. feels a lot like what you're talking about there where it's like they loved with all their heart but they weren't smart about it right. like, and I feel like it's a way to encapsulate a, a Harley so this brings us to the main event ding 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 uh, you finally watched Suicide Squad I did I did and I so Quick side note, uh, I watched it on TBS because uh, uh, we may or may not have borrowed somebody's um, password to watch it on TBS, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was it had commercials, and I think at this point I just can't deal with commercials and movies anymore because it felt like it took forever to get through the movie. Like, it was just... So was it the actual full cut of the movie, though? I believe so, yes. Okay, I would have given you the money to rent it because I watched it on Prime <laughs> for like four bucks. So... Uh, um, and that was the other thing that surprised me. It was it was not available anywhere. Like I just I thought that was so weird that I, I mentioned the DC app earlier, but I thought for sure HBO or Netflix or Hulu or any of the streaming services would have had it for free, just simply in you know promotion of you know the movie coming out because um, even like Comicsology right now has a Harlequin sale going on. Like yeah, so when you watch this on the TBS, did it actually include all the language and everything too? Or yeah, okay, not that that's important to like the effect of, but. You know, yeah. From what I got, it was this. It was the theatrical cut of the film. I didn't see that there was any, you know, unless there's a nude scene that I'm unaware of. I just kill a croc. That's you know, <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, yeah. So um, so we're gonna take a brief aside before we talk about her characterization, in Suicide Squad. So what did you think of the film? You finally got to watch it. You've still not seen Batman vs Superman, right? Spoiler. Superman dies at the end of that. I don't know if you know that or not. So there are th- things that I like about it and uh, things that I very much did not. Um, I've got some notes here, and I'm going to talk about them just in respect to the characters. Um, and I will say that I'll leave Harley out of it at the moment. But the first the first big character of that movie, I think, is the Joker. And uh, this was these were my notes about the Joker. Um, I don't really know who this character was. I'm not throwing uh, Leto under the bus here. He's fine as an actor, but the character lacked many of the aspects of what makes the Joker the Joker. The character had absolutely no humor about him. The Joker should have funny lines. He can be silly. He can be nonsensical. He can be dry and witty. Uh, He can have the darkest humor or be completely scatological, but he has to be funny, in my opinion. Like... There should be a sense of humor about the character. And so there was none of that in this when, movie. When he called Common a hunka hunka hunka, like that wasn't funny to you. That was oh yeah, I was laughing so hard at that. <laughs> um, what about him sitting in a room full of knives? <laughs> How did you feel about that? <laughs> so wait, I got uh, you know the other thing is is that in various in- incarnations, uh, the character has has been a gangster, but. He's a gangster before he becomes the Joker. Here, he's like Scarface minus the cocaine, but added tattoos and green hair. I like you said cocaine. Like, uh... <laughs> this is me trying to read. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm really not supposed to be sure. I'm I'm really not sure what was supposed to make him special. The only thing I liked about about him, it wasn't even him. It was his gang, where they broke into the the tech company that had the uh, the 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 neck charges, like the guns. Yeah. His 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 uh, gang. There was someone that was wearing a Batman mask that was from like it was a helmet. Yeah. That was the Batman from the animated series. That made me laugh the first time I saw it because it's like you have somebody walking around just shooting people with a Batman mask on that looks like like the one from the animated series. I thought that was actually a nice touch. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was funny. And yeah. I, 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 but it wasn't him. Do, it wasn't it, him at all. It wasn't anything to do with Larry, Jared. I was going to say Larry Jetto. Larry Jetto. Larry Jetto's uh, performance. I thought he was fine. I just didn't see, other than having green hair, I didn't see what made him be the Joker. Like, and we'll get into this, you know, as we go along. But I think that he's in there, and I know that they cut a lot of his stuff out, supposedly. But like, he doesn't even have a funny line in the movie. There's no Not sense really. of humor about him. He feels like he's he feels like he's Carmine Falcone in the first Batman and Batman Begins. Like he feels like he's just a, a gangster. And I don't know. There there was nothing special about him. And I'm not saying he's gotta have, you know, the Joker mobile or, you know, large balloons with Smilex gas in them, but he was just a thug who had green hair in this to me. So Yeah, that, that, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I do wish that there would have been more opportunity for him. Like, like, what if I told you there was more interaction between Bruce Wayne and uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker film than there was in Suicide Squad between Ben Affleck and Jared Leto? What if I told you that? I mean, I'm not surprised by that. Um, there, and, there's a little and, bit more. There's like not much more, much more, but there's a little bit more because you see Batman for like five seconds in this film and he didn't need to be there you know but an actual batman because i thought that he was supposed to be like a boy at this point yeah i'm just but still there's more interaction i'm just saying like okay. there's actually you, you when you get the joker you'll see but it's okay. like it's like for a movie called suicide squad that has the actual joker in it and you actually have batman chasing him down you think there'd be more going on and there was nothing yeah like yeah, he so. actually has more interaction with Deadshot, which is my next point. Yeah. So, uh, the next character that I was going to talk about, nice segue. Go, go, please. Thank you. Yes, uh, Deadshot. So, he's probably the most fleshed out of any character in this movie, which unfortunately isn't saying a lot. Not Rick Flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Pause for effect and laugh. Like. Um, you know, I think Will Smith he does a, a good job trying to do his damnedest with very little. Um, throughout the movie, Deadshot is presented as wanting to be a father to his daughter. That's kind of his whole goal is making sure that his daughter's taken care of. Mm -hmm. But then there's a, a point in the film where the Enchantress offers them what they want to see most in their lives. Now, granted, yes, Deadshot has been a Batman villain for forever. Um, and yes, in this movie, he is brought in by Batman. But suddenly, his his motivation is is that the thing that he wants most in the world is to be the one who kills Batman. Why? I, so why I, was it not related to his daughter? I think it's funny that you pointed out that part of the film because there is the bit at the end where everybody's like teased with what they could have, except for one character that's amongst all of them. And I think it was the greatest missed opportunity of that entire film is that you never saw what Captain Boomerang wanted, oh, and I, I wanted it to be. That. 
an entire animated sequence of him with like unicorns. Because <laughs> how amazing would that have been? That would have been really funny. Because he was because I don't know if you ever know about Jack Courtney. I'm not a big Jack Courtney fan. I liked him as Captain Boomerang, and I know he's coming back for this other film. Yeah. So I think James Gunn sees something there. He's just a scuzzy Aussie with like all these boomerangs. He's just a piece of shit. But it's like he's also got a thing for unicorns, unicorns. which is whatever it is what it is. But it's like, why couldn't we see what he wanted? Right. Because I think that have been hilarious. That would have been like that Deadpool moment of the movie. But we didn't get that. So I feel like that was the bigger missed opportunity. But I agree with you. But I will say this about Will Smith as Deadshot. Him and Margot Robbie, which we'll talk about her as Harley Quinn here in a moment, are my favorite parts of the film. Yes. Will Smith is trying to, like, no pun intended, will this movie across the finish line. and But you see his physical performance as Deadshot, and it's awesome. Like, yeah. his, the way he just, is, like, shoots with authority is so cool. And I, and the bit where he's negotiating with the unknown money man at the beginning is great. Like I mm-hmm. want to see a Deadshot film with him just being Deadshot because he's he's not only like he's not only good at what he does, he's the best at what he does. Yeah. And I I loved that somehow that was brought into this film, this clunky melange like but Will Smith, I feel bad because I don't feel like he's had like the vehicle that like like shows him off. And this was a good one for him. Yeah. And I liked him a lot in this movie. Yeah, I mean he's he's a likable actor. He's he's good at what he does. Um, you can tell he's trying his hardest to do something with very little. Um, and unfortunately, the film doesn't really just the bit when he smells like the the rifle like the rifle yeah. smell off the gun when he's in prison and he just goes like crazy with all the guns. It's like and he just it just that's a great sequence. That's like, a great sequence. I I like the scene actually quite a bit where. Uh, you know, he's having the conversation at the very beginning of the film with the, the like, and this goes away and never comes back, but the guy who's uh, sort of running Bell Rev, where he's the head, um, oh, I, I guess he's not the warden, but he's like the top of the- Oh, uh, Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Like, I like Ike Barinholtz. It's just, I feel like he, or Barinhold, Barinhold, where I feel like he was also given short shrift here in some parts of the movie. But yeah, I like that whole bit, him talking to him. He's like, yeah. I'm going to beat you up. He's like, is that a threat? <laughs> like, yeah. So- <laughs> Um, so I, I, I enjoyed all of that stuff. I was just, I was, I, I was confused as to why you're building up this whole thing is like his price to be part of the suicide squad was to make sure that his daughter is taken care of. And for some reason, when he's offered the thing that he wants most, it's, or he's, he gets a glimpse of what he wants most. It's that he kills Batman. So you had a bigger problem with that than not him with his daughter trying to figure out geometry. And then she's aware that he's a hitman for hire. And then she's like, well, but what if there's someone you want to kill? He's like, well, you got to figure all these different factors. And it's like, don't teach your daughter to be an assassin. Right. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just, at that that point, point, (laughs) we were at the end of the movie. So I just, I did my, sorry, I'm derailing this. My give a shit went away. Before we started recording, I was like, we're just going to glance. We're just going to, we're going to do like a quick pass over Suicide Squad. Now I'm asking you in depth questions about the Suicide Squad. Here's the other, there are three other things that I just want to say real quick. So Captain Boomerang, we talked about a little bit. I think he's a really funny character, but I felt like he was underused and never developed. Yes. Um, Killer Croc. I'm still not sure what he was doing in there. Like, Uh, he had nothing to do. He could swim. And then the, this is the last thing. I don't understand what Enchantress was trying to do. I don't understand what her plan was. 
I nope. can you explain it to me? Because I honestly, she wanted, my to, note she is... wanted to make a big sky butthole that killed everything. <laughs> is what I, what she wanted. Also, but like the whole thing with Amanda Waller, where it's like I'm going to make these jerks become like you know they're going to work for us. It's mm-hmm. like, oh shit. One of those jerks got loose. Guess I'm going to bring the other jerks in to stop that jerk, but not admit that I let that jerk loose. Like, right. it just felt a little weird. Um, so that was like Amanda Waller's character, like uh, uh, Viola Davis um, as as Amanda Waller. Is it Viola Davis? Is that her yeah. name? Yeah. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of the lines that she's giving is a little weird, but she delivers it with such like just, just straightforwardness that I love it. Um, so I dig that. Um I think Slipknot was a dumb introduction. Like they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna bring this character in later. Yeah, fodder. Like just dumb. It wasn't even. Like, it wasn't even good. Katana. I wish they would have done more with with her, but like they just brought her in later. Cool character. No reason to be in the movie. There's a lot of stuff shoehorned in. Did you notice? Your first time watch that every other scene had to have a song in it. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, my uh, end thought on the film was uh, the film trades in story and character development for tattoos and overused music cues. It's like, <laughs> hey, guys, remember Guardians of the Galaxy? We're going to try that. And it just hurt. It hurt. Yeah. Some of the music cues were okay. But, but they keep, kept coming. Kept coming. Yeah. It's like even like later whenever they're like going to the top of the building to, to rescue the asset and Harley who after being told explicitly, like, if you guys disobey, we're going to blow your head off. She gets into the elevator. and was like waving goodbye guys. Yeah. And it's like, and then you hear, um, third base, uh, uh, was it come baby, mm-hmm. whatever the, the song that that is. It's like cool sequence. The song made no sense right. in the, in the context of the film. It just feels like someone's like, Hey, like it worked for James Gunn. Let's just do this. And it's like it just I didn't buy that. It just got frustrating. Yeah, I mean the thing is with the music and Guardians of the Galaxy is is it's actually integral to the story. Yep. None of this. None. It's like you literally show a prison in Louisiana and you're gonna play House of the Rising Sun. Fine. Like I get it. Like just <laughs> could you just stop? Could yeah. you just stop doing that? But um so overall, y- your experience with the DC films have been a little probably hit or miss. Like it, how did you feel when you got done watching this? Where did you land on this one? I I gave it two stars on Letterbox. Okay. Um, I think that uh, you know it's kind of a step in the right direction because there's good performances in it. Um, I just think the story's a mess and the characters aren't developed. Um, I think that I, I I'm not very familiar with with David Ayer's other films, so. Uh, I think that a lot of it got thrown at his feet, and I think a lot of it was that he 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 basically said that there were a lot of hands in the pots. If I if I remember correctly, yeah. his his uh, you know talk about what happened with the film, um, which is unfortunate. I can certainly see why Harley Quinn became the most popular character of the movie. I can also see. I'm actually surprised that you know they're doing Suicide Squad two with James Gunn and. They don't have Will Smith returning. It's going to be Idris Elba. Yeah, just, I which think it's fine, but yeah. like, but he's not playing Deadshot though. I feel like he's not. I, I that's thought, what I've heard. I don't okay. know. Who knows? We, I, supposedly, but if they bring him back, if they if they bring an Idris Elba to play Deadshot, I'm I love him, so it's fine. Like okay. I'm not okay, I'm not against. I thought it. he was, so maybe. I'm but wrong if on if that. that's the case, um, but it, you would think that I would like to see more Deadshot. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I I also liked. Uh, I also liked El Diablo. I liked that character. Oh, yeah. The whole notion, like his arc, actually kind of 
it actually felt like it kind of made sense. Where he it's gets like the most, yeah, when it comes to like, a like, backstory, like the whole thing least. of like I'm not going to raise my hands in anger again. And it's like I kind of dug his whole like whole vibe, and he was the one to see through shit. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and we're tr- also uh, continuing the tradition of uh, a giant CGI bad looking uh, villain in this. Uh, the Enchantress's brother, like he looked like he came straight out of the. Uh, the Zack Snyder uh, playbook. It, it wouldn't be too far. The, my only problem with Wonder Woman is, is the the end villain is less interesting. Yeah, than the, anything the, else. the the bad guy brother looked like he wouldn't be too far away from like Stargate. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, great, whatever. Anyway, yeah. So, sure. Um, but okay, let's. So, I watching the movie a second time, giving it two years removed. I ended up liking it a little bit more because I knew what I was getting into. Okay. The the movie the music cues have still annoyed me, but Will Smith's performance is great. Margot Robbie, which we'll talk about more here in a second, is is great in it too. And Jai Courtney's actually really good. Like I never thought I would say that, but he's good in this, like for what he is. Mm-hmm. Um and there are bits of fun in the film to be had. It's just that you see like where it could have been. And it just doesn't it like it's a competent film, and that that should not be a compliment. Like, you don't go yeah. out to eat and you're like, this dinner was made competently well. It's like that's that's you go to Denny's for that. You don't yeah. go to like, but after after uh, Batman versus Superman, after so much as I was frustrated with that, Suicide Squad felt better just by default, and it's it's it feels better watching it a little later because your, your expectations are set appropriately. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah. yeah. My thing is, is that uh, if you're going to set up uh, something for them to go after and you've already got Joker as one of your characters, why isn't it that they're trying to take down the Joker? That would have been sure. a very interesting moral dilemma for Harley to have to deal with. And then you never know what she's going to do. Yeah, because you know? she's being forced against her will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would have been more interesting to me. You're right. So let's talk about uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think her performance, like her performance, was great, and I and I loved her in this. What did you feel about the characterization of Harley Quinn in this film? So th- this was my note on on her. I said that uh, Robbie gives a, a fun performance, which is a highlight in the movie. Um, the unfortunate part, though, is is that we don't really get a reason why Harley qualifies specifically to be on this team, other than she's crazy. Yeah, um, that's that's all they she, they chalk it up to. She has no like. She has no special abilities other than don't trust her. Yeah, and we're not really, you know, shown why she would be an asset to the team. Um, I will say at, at its core, her characterization is similar to the original incarnation, but with a darker tinge of humor and less focus on the wacky escapades. Um, the tragedy is the biggest aspect of her character in this that I think that carries over from the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, her sex appeal obviously is f- way off the charts as far as like being heightened to this extent. But again, to be fair, the animated series with Mad Love and the comics really don't have high ground here. So I can't really, I don't want to be the old man shaking my fist like, put on a pair of pants, missy. Like, yeah, But there was the bit where she's putting on her gear and like they didn't they didn't show her specifically getting dressed. But then when she was done, yeah. like everybody stares. She's like, what? <laughs> It's like it was a funny comedy yeah. beat, and like some of her reactions, some of her reads, like when they're just walking along and she just smashes that store display. That's and takes one the, of my the favorite purse, moment, moments. Of the and movie. she's like, "We're bad guys." It's like, yeah, <laughs> and then, like that was great. And then like, and I, I, and supposedly in this new film, the Birds of Prey film, I guess they actually lean into her actually being a psychologist. So I guess she actually 
psychoanalyzes people while she's dealing with them. I'm like, I want more of that. Yeah. There was a little bit of this in the film, in the bar scene where they're all kind of talking about like what's going on. And she talked a little bit about it. Like she, you could feel some edges of that, some, some bits of it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I wish there had been a little bit more. Um, but I, for what she was given and for how the character was written, I, I came out liking Harley a lot more than I was expecting. I thought she was just going to be like a cotton candy piece of fluff. That was all the negative things that you think of that character, mm. you know? And there was still the toxicity of her wanting to be with the Joker. Like, yeah. and then like, and it teases this whole thing. It's never going to happen. But I, you know, they, they reference him directly in this next film where they keep talking about Mr. J, but you don't see him. So fine. I get it. But it's like, um, it just feels weird that they actually had the shoehorn in her origin story with him. And then like, like, how did you feel about the tonal? This is, I'm getting back to the movie and not her. I'm sorry. How it was like, this is a serious film, but now we're going to put all what they're known for and their stats and their name on screen. Right. Like, it's like, can you pick a tone? Cause, <laughs> because either one of these is fine, but mixed yeah. together, it's not great. You know, like, cause the first 30 minutes of the film is a different film. It's mm-hmm. like, I, there should have been like, I, I kind of like, this is me having my brothers and this is not the point had Warner brothers in DC actually established the world a little bit better. You could have had each of the six of these people or however many there were get taken out by all our major heroes in the first like act of all their origin movies or their like established movies. So you're like, Oh, this person got their ass kicked. Like Captain Boomerang got his ass kicked by the flash. You could have seen all that yeah. happen so that when you get to this movie, it'd been like, these are these are literally all the losers that got taken out early and all mm-hmm. that. Like that would have been fun, you know. Like because the Flash, you see him all of two seconds and that's it. You never see him again, right? Like it's like <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I still I I'm still I'm still trying to figure out why the decision was made to go with the enchantress one like i know that they wanted to be like well we need to wreck some carnage but it's got to be safe carnage so these things become weird people turn into weird <laughs> bubbly creatures um, that in the honest trailers they call them the putties from mighty, mighty Morphin power rangers that's not that far off <laughs> but with uh, weird eyes yeah. yeah um i i don't understand those those choices i think I think if they would have found a, a different target for them to be going after, I think Joker would have been the easiest, like... I agree. Uh, ...target to go after. And I think, you know, there wasn't enough of a... Re- like, most of these characters don't have superpowers, and but they're supposed to be the answer to what if there's another Superman who's not... Like, Waller has this line, like, what if the next Superman doesn't share our values the way the last one did? Yeah. And that's that's a very good question. And that's... Again, that's something that's intrinsic to the, to the comics as well. Um, and she has, a, in the uh, Justice League animated series, Amanda Waller has a very s- similar premise when she pr- presents a Task Force ask Task Force X. Tax, task Force Sex. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I just, I wish that uh, we would have gotten a little bit more on, like, Deadshot, we understand why he's on the team. Enchantress, I guess I kind of understand where she was going with it. Um, the only thing of worth with her was whenever she would transform and you'd see the effect of the one hand yeah. clasping the other and they'd turn over, like the wrist would turn. That was a cool signature, of, like signifying that like one's taken over the other. That was cool. Other than that, 
did not care. Like, like someone, like also the Oz trailers that's out there for this pointed out that uh, Doctor uh, June Moon or whatever her name is is the worst archaeologist ever because she grabbed an item and then snapped its head off immediately. It's like, <laughs> yeah, not a good call. Like you know, she's uh, she's she went to school with the uh, geologists in Prometheus. And, <laughs> yeah, where uh, it's like, oh, I don't trust animals in other worlds. That's a pretty looking snake. Um, and also, like, what was it at the end of the film where it's like we need to walk the big guy over to the corner and we're going to detonate this mine that Killer Croc's going to set up? But we're, but it's like Croc, get out of there, or Diablo, get out of there. Scott Eastwood, you can die with the mind. It's fine. Like, you you don't have powers. Your only power is that your father was Clint Eastwood. It's fine. We're going to blow you up. Like, what was up with that? Like, everybody get out of there except that guy. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, but I feel like from what we know of Harley Quinn and seeing her in this film, I don't think they mishandled her. Um, I think they gave a little bit of difference. Like she is, she doesn't have powers. Like she's really good at being like a fighter and they gave her a bat and they gave her a gun. Uh, but it's like, but when they made her kind of be like the reason why they're able to defeat the bad guy, it, that felt like that was a specific push by the movie to be like, this is why we want her. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's the least powered and she's going to be the one that actually stops the enchantress. That felt weird to me. Yeah. But but her reasoning of like kind of like being like, oh no, 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 tell me what are the benefits? What is your 401k? Like that feels kind of in line with her character of being like, well, if if um if being bad is what I'm good at, then I'm gonna align myself with the biggest bad. I guess I can get that. But it also felt kind of contrived that she'd be the one to to solve it all. Yeah. I don't know. I did really enjoy um when she gets to see what she wants that like it's this weird version of her and the Joker having a family. It reminded me very much of a uh, little shop of horrors when Audrey's having her fantasy about like her and Rick Moranis like having like their little like 50s household. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Um so I I enjoyed that. I I like I said I I'm trying not to be too much of uh, you know the old man yelling at the kids to get off of his lawn because I describe this movie as uh, in my letterbox review as the hot topic of superhero movies because <laughs> um, I feel like you know there's probably teenagers and you know kids in their twenties who probably loved this movie and I try to keep that in mind too with with comics because like there are you know there's periods of comics that are very special to me and there's always you know the kids God willing there's still kids getting into comic books but like there's there's people who are reading comic books where like this right now is their special time. So I try to keep that in mind before shitting all over it. But um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to like this movie from everything that I've heard and read about Batman V Superman. It was, you know, at least a step in the right direction. Um, it's just unfortunate that the movie was so muddled. And it's a bummer because the, the concept of a suicide squad is is very it's a very dirty dozen it's very interesting um you could equate this to guardians of the galaxy where they're just a bunch of like you know losers that got put together but they they form a family the, these these people are forced to be together and that's different like uh and i think that you we'll see what james gunn does with the next movie um i'm sure it's gonna be wonderful and fun and have a kick-ass soundtrack you know um, you're gonna have King Shark in there too, I think. You know, like, yeah. um, and it's. I think it's gonna be great, and I think it's gonna show you what this can be. You know. Yeah, and I'm wondering how because I see that she's listed in the cast list. I'm wondering how big of a part 
uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is going to be. I have to imagine she'd be a large part, but also not including Deadshot seems weird. So, uh, and actually, if they were just like you know, <laughs> and again, this is uh, after this Harley Quinn movie comes out, if they were just like. Harley somehow strikes up a relationship with Deadshot. I think that that would be a really interesting movie as well. I'd see that. Oh, yeah. If it was Will Smith and Margot Robbie, but, you know, as Deadshot and Harley Quinn, I'd be all about that. For sure. So, all right. Um, did you have any other statements you want to make about uh, Harley Quinn as a character? I have no more statements at this no more time, statements. Senator. Yeah, so you, 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 uh, you give back your time. All right. So... All right, so that's our that's our thoughts on Harley Quinn. Uh, you guys could uh, definitely let us know what your thoughts are, uh, and if you see uh, the film coming out um, this weekend, uh, let us know your thoughts. I don't know if I'm gonna get to it myself. It's just I will give them credit though. It's an R-rated superhero film that's about a breakup coming out Valentine's Day, yeah. and it's like that's a good call because it's also that was the same weekend that the first Deadpool came out mm-hmm. and made bank. I think this is the right time for this film. I will say that after watching this movie, I'm more interested in seeing this simply because of the fact that I thought Margot Robbie was so good as Harley Quinn. On the same token, my wife watching this with me uh, was... She was not having the movie. She did not enjoy it. So chances are I'm not going to be able to persuade her to go see this in the theater. So we're probably not going to be making it out. Well, I mean, unless you and I go see it together, it'll be fine. We'll go do it. We'll hold hands on great. Um, you have Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, what's her full name? Elizabeth. Uh, I think, uh, isn't Elizabeth it Mary? Mary Winstead? Yeah. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Elizabeth Mary. She plays the Huntress. I'm fine. I'm down. Like, I'm completely down. You have Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. I'm down. Like, yeah, I mean just, that's yeah. that's still my only real problem with the movie is is that I was unable to visually identify the the birds of prey from the trailer. That that's also fair. I so. just saw a poster for for the new Harley Quinn movie and uh, uh, the, I saw like she's in the back for some reason and like she's got the crossbow. I'm like, oh, she is the huntress. So that makes sense. So yeah. So all right, uh, you guys can share your thoughts, feelings on our Facebook page. It's Evasion Podcast. You can find our blog, which something will show up eventually. I've, I kind of got burned out with things. I just I'll, I will find my groove again about posting about things. How Paul got his groove back. I mean, there's stuff there for everybody. If you like, so we we were going to talk about this in news, but Kirk Douglas passed away as of today's 103. If you guys want to go back to my year of the knockoff post about Saturn three, and you want to see some weird gifts with uh, Kirk Douglas, please go look at it. There's one definitely where he is a uh, choking, um, um, Harvey Keitel and he's nude and you see his ass. So go ahead, please find that blog post and see that gif and look at, uh, at Kirk Douglas's ass and, and just be sad. It's gone, you know? So, that's, Maybe I'll watch Saturn Three this weekend in remembrance. I've never seen it, so not good. But I think you'd enjoy it. The robot's weird. It's like this big, chunky robot with a tiny head. Like it's just, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's the blog. Um, so you can check us out there. You can find us on uh, iTunes, uh, uh, Apple Music. That's also iTunes, uh, Apple Music, uh, Google Play. Everything's changed. Find us on Google or Apple. You can find us on uh, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, like uh, Podcast Addict, Podcatcher. Uh, Mark Superstore, Aldi's, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. They'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. And if you want to buy a comic, you can head to our Etsy store, which is the Art of the Slash. Perfect. And you're bringing more content soon online. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just a you know knock on wood. We don't fall on our keys. I shouldn't say we because this is not on Ryan at all. It's on me. But that I don't fall on my keys. That uh, yeah, we're bringing it back as a weekly web comic for a while. So uh, new pages are going to be coming up uh, starting this Saturday. Every Saturday until we run out of pages. I look forward to finding my own death in there at some point. That's, that's <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yes. Like, I feel like if I see myself die at the hands of the science slasher, <laughs> then at least I know how I go out. Right. You'll be like, but Paul, you absolutely shit yourself while you're being stabbed. Like, that, that checks out. So, all right. So, But I feel like you kind of lived it already. It feels kind of weird now. I did like... not I did not actively shit myself while it was going on, and I did not get stabbed to death. So, yeah. you, you got some work to do. <laughs> oh, on that note, let's just get to the game. So, Steve, being the MVP of the episode, coming up with everything, you have the game as well this time. Yeah, the game that I put together was a pretty simple one. We've done this before. Uh, This is uh, just a battle royale where we have uh, two sets of uh, containers here. Both are filled with characters. I'm going to have you draw from each one, and then you're going to tell me who would win in a fight. Okay, so... All right, so we got here first. I want to grab a. I, I'm glad that I picked the purple and green. That feels very Joker appropriate. It so does. Good. So I got a free pass. Your pick. So that's a and Dale Gribble from uh, King of the Hill. Um, free pass. I don't know who else is on this list, so I think I. Well, already... I'll t- if if somebody comes up. But okay. I'm telling you, my one stipulation is, is because we've had this conversation before the show started, you cannot pick uh, Rick from Rick and Morty. So, yeah, how about this? I'm going to put the free pick back in here, and then we'll see what else you got coming okay. in. So, all right, so I'm going to pick Rick. Uh, Rick. No, um, all right. I got Rubik the Amazing Cube. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. Uh, I'm going to go with Dale Gribble just because he's prepared for everything. Um, you know, as being an exterminator, but also being a conspiracy theorist, and unfortunately becoming more and more pertinent in uh, on our day and age. So I'm going to go with Dale Gribble. <laughs> so uh, just a quick question: Do you remember Rubik and the Amazing Cube? The I've cartoon? seen the intro. Like, okay. yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's terrible. The thing's the thing of it's an abomination. So we always talk about like how IMDb facts are like terrible. Yeah. All right, I've got two for you that I want to read that are just about. Rubik the Amazing Cube. <laughs> the first one is, is this cartoon is based on the well-known puzzle game called Rubik's Cube, which I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, good, good. That's good trivia. It's well, it's based upon Simon. But my favorite thing ever is the next one. It is here, and I'm surprised they haven't like taken it down. It says this show ex- <laughs> this show exists to punish humanity for its sins. <laughs> They can't disprove that. <laughs> that's am- had I known that I would pick Rubik. That's a uh, that's amazing. All right, so uh, all right, what do we got here? All right, I got um, Hong Kong Fui, which is questionable at best now, <laughs> and, and Velma from Scooby Doo. It's going to be Hong Kong Fui because uh, he knows Hong Kong. Yeah, Velma, I mean, Velma, to be fair, yeah. Velma was always losing her glasses, so That's she true. probably lost her glasses. The fight never even happened. She probably fell into, like, a well or something. <laughs> but she was the one that always was kind of on the right track, and I want to listen to her. Oh, because, yeah, she was smart. Because she wasn't Daphne. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, because she wasn't Fred or Daphne. All right, so we got what else we got here. All right. Okay, this is Skeletor, uh-oh, and Bam Bam Rubble. 
All right, well, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, who would win though? I feel like, I feel like if, like if this was actual Hanna Barbera rules, it would be Bam Bam. Um, but I just want Skeletor because I like all the uplifting memes that are happening with him now. Like he's become this power positivity, and I enjoy that. And I think that's going to overcome Bam Bam because he can only say Bam and Bam. So yeah, I don't know. There's a, a Twitter account that I follow that's Skeletor, and it's always just about like what a bad person He Man is. <laughs> all right, so we got Bender versus Marvin the Martian. Oh, that's right. a good one. So both of them want to kill all humans. That's true. <laughs> but um I think I think Bender cuz Marvin is always easily undone by like, you know, not paying attention. He's he it feels like he he's like a um a Duck Dodgers uh villain, right? Like yeah. Daffy Duck would always kind of pull a fast one on him. I feel like Bender's always playing like the long game. Like so, I'm going to go with Bender. Um, cause I feel like he would outsmart Marvin the Martian. <laughs> Funny that I mentioned this one later. Okay. So we got the wonder twins and then I got free pass. Oh man. So who are you putting up against the wonder <sighs> twins? I, well, I got to pick, I got to pick a duo, right? We um, don't have to. I feel like it's appropriate. So I mean, the wonder twins powers were pretty terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> one turns into an animal. The other one turns into water. Oh, um, you don't watch Bob's Burgers. Well, I guess though. it's not technically an animal, but go on. Do you watch Bob's Burgers at all or no? I don't, but you can. Uh, uh, there's there's um, a pair of twin kids that are voiced by Sarah Silverman and her sister, uh, Andy and Ollie. Is that their names? That's probably not right. Yep, it's Andy and Ollie. They're all like, <laughs> it's like they're great. Um, <laughs> like I love, I love them. They're just it's 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 Sarah and I forget her sister's name. Um, but they're, they're always like, they're just, they say the most ridiculous things and they just love each other, but they're twins. Um, like here's one that says, I got a fun cushion is what they said. <laughs> <laughs> and I just peed Andy's pants says Ollie. <laughs> like, like, so I'm going to go with uh, Andy and Ollie. Like, uh, All right. you need to watch Bob's burgers. It's amazing. It's so much fun. It's just, it's, it's like heartfelt other than the peeing of the pants. Um, but yeah, Gene Belcher is my I've, spirit animal. I've heard good things yeah. and I don't know why I haven't watched it. Uh, Captain Caveman and Thunder the Barbarian. I don't know. Equally matched. Um, oh, man. Thunder the Barbarian is one that I want to go back and revisit. Yeah. I haven't seen an episode since the 80s. So it's, isn't it Thunder wanna... the Barbarian? Yeah. And be you wrote Thunder. So you wrote down the, the name of the guy from uh, American Gladiators here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Thun Thunder the Barbarian because he's constantly a barbarian, where Captain Caveman is only Captain Caveman sometimes. So it's like he has a Clark Kent thing where he can only be like, do you remember he was like, yeah. he had like a secret identity where he was just a hairy dude with glasses. <laughs> do you remember Captain Caveman and son from uh, the Flintstone adventures? I think it was. I, I, I do. I don't want to remember that, but thank you for reminding me now. Oh, this is going to be one of my free picks. So you got Beavis. Uh, I'm sure Butthead's in there somewhere or maybe not. And Blue Falcon. Well, Blue Falcon was automatically <laughs> because Blue Falcon but I don't Beavis know. might turn into Cornholio. That's and... true, but Blue Falcon, I don't know. I remember watching that cartoon as a kid, just loving it, because he was kind of like a superhero. He was a superhero. And then, um, oh, what was uh, what was the name of his dog? Astro? Was it, no, it wasn't Astro. Was Astro the dog? Uh, in Blue, Blue Falcon? Falcon? Yeah. Dynamut. Dynamut. It's like, it was kind of like Inspector Gadget, but with a dog. So I was okay with that. And so, all right. So we got uh, 
Cartoon Battle Royale. Is that the name of the game? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is. So take this last one here, because I'm like, wow, there's an extra one in there. So when I was cutting it up, I didn't catch. Okay, so um, Chicken Boo. Who is Chicken Boo? You know, you do not remember Chicken Boo? No. Did you watch Animaniacs? I did. Uh, he wears a disguise to look like human guys, oh, okay. but you're not a man, you're a, a chicken, chicken boo. Okay, yeah, yeah, so then it's against Freakazoid, which I've not seen Freakazoid. I've oh, never Freakazoid is a blast. Any, that was a WB thing, right? Yeah. Or, or, well, yeah, it, it was the same time that uh, Superman and Batman animated okay, series so I don't were know if, I don't know Freakazoid, but... So I guess we'll go Chicken Boo. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, mix them up. Yeah, my favorite thing about uh, Chicken Boo is it's just uh, there's an episode where like he's supposed to be like a general. <laughs> it's like that's not General Beauregard. That's just a chicken. I, and I I loved Animaniacs. It's absurdist humor. humor oh, I did too. At, like the Hello Nurse always shows up in my mind all the time. <laughs> And then there's the one whole episode where was it uh, Wacko had to go use the restroom? Potty emergency. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> and then he eventually goes to a gas station. He's like, no. <laughs> so we got uh, Dale Gribble versus the Blue Falcon. Oh. Um, I'm going to go with the Falcon because, I mean, Dale Gribble is just a man. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Blue Falcon's technically also a man, but he but does he, have a dino he's basically butt. He's basically Batman. He's Blue Batman. That's fine. <laughs> Which Batman's been blue before, so it's I don't know what the Falcon's deal is, but yeah, all right. So now next one we got Thundar the Barbarian and Skeletor. Oh shit, we got He Man <laughs> versus Skeletor, basically. Um, you know, since Thundar is the knockoff He Man, kinda, I'm gonna give it the Skeletor, um, just because I love Skeletor. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we got Chicken Boo versus uh, Bender. Oh, you know, it'd be Bender. Like, I feel like it'd be better. He would, he would, you know, it's just a chicken in a suit. He would fight it. I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, Peter Griffin would also fight Chicken Boo and it would be, uh, pretty epic. I know that he fights a chicken on the, uh, the family guys, but that's all I know about yeah, it. Yeah. He does it repeatedly. Like, it just, it's a thing through the seasons where he fights a guy in a chicken outfit or an actual chicken. So my free pass pick was the, the twins of, uh, Andy and Ollie versus Hong Kong Fooey. I mean, he has Hong Kong, so I uh, Hong, he has Hong Kong. That means he knows karate. So that's me generalizing. So I don't know. So <laughs> he has right. Hong Kong. That, he is does that, th that sounds really racist. I did not mean that to come out that way. I'm sorry. That's not what I meant at all. All right, final four. Getting there. Getting final there. Getting there. Four. All right, we're gonna find this out. It's gonna be it's gonna be important. You guys can document this. You guys can put this on the Rubik's Cube page. About this is also a punishment for humanity. <laughs> got Blue Falcon versus Bender. Well, Blue Falcon is not a robot. His dogs are robot. But I feel like since Bender is a robot, I still want to go with Bender. Okay. You know he has his shiny metal ass. All right. And then we got Skeletor. Oh, this is going to make hard decisions. Versus Hong Kong Fooey. I'm going to go with Skeletor. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Skeletor's got to win that one. So our final fight that we have is Bender versus Skeletor. Um. I feel like they join voice, join voices. They would join forces together. I feel like that's what would happen. I think Bender would work the long con trying to steal something out of like out of not Castle Grayskull, uh, Snake Mountain, Snake Mountain. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's what would happen. He'd be all about Skeletor until he could take something from him. I think that would be the double cross, and then would leave Skeletor on the clutch. 
that, think that's fair. I think yeah. that that's a, a good call because I, I feel like I can, I can imagine him walking around Snake Mountain just picking things up and sticking them inside his... Uh, yeah, and just storing them inside him. And he'd steal Skeletor's, uh, his, other, his sword, not the... What's not the Master Sword? That's from Legend of Zelda. What's the sword called? Sword of Eternia. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because the, the one He Man has, the one Skeletor has, they're like they're mirror images, right? Is yeah. that the whole thing? So, and if yeah. you put them together, they open the Castle Grayskull for some reason. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like it'd be a partnership until it wasn't. That'd be my call with between <laughs> Bender and Skeletor. So, and if if Skeletor happens to have any alcohol laying around uh, Snake Mountain. You, if you have a place called Snake Mountain, you don't have liquor there. Then you, it's not a Snake Mountain. <laughs> I think that's a waste. So it's the Snake Hole from uh, Parks and Rec. It's, yeah, it's, it's Snake Hole uh, with Snake Snake Juice. Was it Snake yeah, Juice? Snake yeah, Snake Juice. Janet yeah. Snake Hole. Janet Snake Hole with Snake <laughs> Juice. Yes. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys have a good week. Uh, next week, it's going to be our Valentine's Day show. And we're going to be looking at the original My Bloody Valentine, which I'm going to look up when that came out. I'm pretty sure it's '82. Um, I actually just got the new Scream Factory. Edition yeah, I of it. saw that. I'm jealous. So I'm looking that's, forward to diving that's the into band. it. That's not right. Let's see here. We got uh, um, 1981 Canadian 81. film. Uh, no, so does that yes. say Ben Affleck? Oh, Neil Affleck. Sorry. Yeah. So we're gonna take a look at this. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, looks like it's available for free on Crackle. If you guys want to watch it there, uh, it's also available to rent at Steve's house. You just want to go over and watch at his place. That's fine. Um, uh, we should have just teamed this up with uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, Strange Brew, two Canadian movies. <laughs> See That's if we true. Get some Elsmore uh, beer. For if we, if we don't drink some Moosehead next week, then we're not doing it right. <laughs> Moosehead's like predominantly shown in yeah. the film. So yeah, we're gonna talk about my bloody Valentine. It's gonna like why not? Like we got the science slasher, you know, co-creator here, and uh, his favorite one of his favorite films of all time is Halloween. Why not another slasher film based around a holiday? That yeah. seems that seems like. It would be Seems stupid natural. to not do it. So, yeah, yeah that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, my bloody Valentine. Have a safe week um, and go see Birds of Prey and go support it because it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. Tell us what you think because we didn't get to see it. <laughs>